John Wayne was a fag. What did you say, Melissa? Uh, what? John Wayne was a fag. The hell he was! He was too, you boys. I installed two-way mirrors in his pad in Brentwood. And he come to the door in a dress. Ah, uh, you're fucking oh, nuts. That doesn't yeah. mean he was a homo, Miller. Don't a lot of straight guys like to watch their buddies fuck. They do? No, I do. Yeah. yeah. Don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown the combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. Episode 10, Silver and Gold. We have made it to double digits, ladies and germs. <clears throat> I am the loaf. With me is the Zom. Hey! Hey! Howdy! Oh, golly! Ten episodes already. We are the, uh, the, uh, like the, 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 the mean machine of broadcasting. We just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. We, we're discussing possibly stepping it up to three episodes a week. A week. It's going to be insane. <laughs> I'm here in my tights and my new wrestling mask that the missus bought me for my birthday. Almost just blacked out. Dom's blacking out. I put him in a sleeper hold, choked him out. Mm. Zom, how are you? Um, I'm doing okay. Um, it's been a good week. Uh, been a very, very good week, if you know what I mean. <laughs> ah. Ah. We had the we had the iPhone launch at the Apple Store this week. Mm, has not been a fun week there. Um, movie theater is the movie theater. Um, that didn't yeah, sound. So. Good. I I got I got a I got a few movies in actually I did I did good for as busy as I've been this week but uh the um uh we well yeah sorry welcome to the podcast I guess I should say that uh do give our official intro this uh this week we are covering a couple movies that last week we said were related with old cars and uh, after we realized that we saw we saw that Netflix had bullshitted us bullshitted us if you will and um, bullshit. The we said old cars. Man of the year has nothing to do with cars. Uh, he's not even a used car salesman. So Netflix fix your shit. Um, you so, son of a bitch. Those sons of bitches. Those, those motherfuckers. You get your fucking synopsis right. <laughs> so uh, a- I think we're gonna do like uh, uh, changing punks or changed punks or changed kids or something. We'll figure it out by the time we post it on the website. But. 
A uh, little little uh, tenuous link this week, but we're doing uh, 2003's The Man of the Year. It's a, a Brazilian film directed by who's somebody I can't remember. Uh, Jose Enrique Fonseca. Never heard uh. of him. <laughs> Didn't really recognize anyone in the movie either. I'd like to recognize a couple of the ladies, if you, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. and, I, I, um, I dig it. I yeah. Dig it. There was some there was some hotness going on. And uh, then we watched 1984's Repo Man, directed by Alex Cox. Quite a different movie. Cox! Emilio Estevez, uh, Harry Dean Stanton, and one of my favorites, Cy Richardson, who I don't recognize really for much, except that I always like him. So yeah, first we will get into what we've been watching. Zom's list is only like two, I think. So Zom, I'll let you lead off. Two pages. <laughs> Uh, I'm not kidding either. <laughs> I hit my stride this week, Daddy O. So I'm going to run through these uh, pretty quick. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Last words. Um, first movie was a Spike Lee venture called Jungle Fever because I was feeling a little of the Jungle Fever this week. Um, <clears throat> and let me tell you something, people. Before I even start this goddamn list, I said this before I went on air. I have not coughed all fucking morning. And then I went and got cough drops for this show, so I would not cough. And now, <coughs> son of a bitch, <laughs> too much reefer. Um, Jungle Fever, I liked it. I like uh, that uh, Annabella Sciorra and um, Totoro is one of my favorites. Lots of uh, the um, uh, Spike Lee's um, kind of his group. Of people that you see in most of his a lot of his movies, um, I've seen this before. It was on uh, Comcast in demand, and I liked it. I I um, I'm a fan of Spike Lee. I'm Me giving too. fuck. Me too. I like him. And the rest of you can kiss my fucking ass. Um, sorry, people. Um, the next one was called Time Limit with Richard Widmark, Richard Basehart, and um, oh. Uh, hey fudge um anyway those two are in it <laughs> and uh, i caught this on this i um found out i kept thinking why is this going downhill like they're showing teen wolf and shit um all the time at night and stupid shit like that well they show all their good stuff in the middle of the wait, day wait, wait wait teen wolf yeah stupid shit no 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 well I, I'm not, you know. Listen, <laughs> motherfucker, you won't review a goddamn Rob Lowe fucking movie, but you like Teen Wolf. Rip Torn, that's who it was. That was when I was just cussing him out a minute ago, baby. That's how we segue while I, while I look for something else so you don't get no dead air. I didn't really mean that. Uh, but it's good. It's um, it's a um, kind of a Korean. <laughs> squeak, squeak, squeak. <laughs> Where are the? They feel like they're crawling on me. They're all over me, son. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, let's break it down. Jesus. Break it down. Uh, it's a uh, Korean War movie uh, where uh, about some prisoners and some shit that went down. A lot of psychological stuff. Not the hugest fan of Richard Widmark because he always kind of is seems like a. I mean, he's good for the roles he plays, uh, but he's not like a big macho dude or anything. And um, the Rip Torn was really good. He was really young in this. Uh, next one was called Double Dare with Zoe Bell, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, a documentary which. We won't go into who doesn't like documentaries. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, after I watched this, I totally fell in love with Zoe Bell. Uh, first of all, she has a very nice little body. 
a bl- and, and a very nice little body of work. Um, <laughs> see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, you, I, I liked Xena, Warrior Princess. I mean, it's kind of like I like Charmed, and people are like, how the fuck do you like watch that fucking Charmed? <laughs> I never watched Charmed. Like where I paid attention or or watched it with the volume kind of it'd be turned up, but I really what didn't I couldn't tell you any of the stories, but I could just tell you what Alyssa Milano wore in all the shows, <laughs> and I like Lucy Lawless. I don't know, you know, she's a I, I like her. I'd uh, I'd uh... anyway. So you get to see uh, <laughs> Zoe Bell and um, uh she did all of Uma's stuff in Kill Bill, which was really cool. You got to see her in Kill Bill. And um uh, you got to see her in Xena, Warrior Princess. And uh then there there's another lady who is an older um uh stunt woman and it kind of follows Zoe and it follows this lady as she's end, coming to the end of her career. And it's pretty cool. It's a good doc umentary. They do make those. Um the next one. I don't. I, I guess I'm looking at this like almost a, a scientific study. Um, <laughs> I watched Transformers: Dark of the Moon, and the first time one of my friends is a huge is a huge he's a huge Transformers fan. Uh, I never watched the cartoon. I um, never played with the toys or anything like that. And uh, so when he brought in the first Transformers one time. Um, you know, Megan Fox was in it, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know, watch this." You know, Megan Fox. I lasted like thirty minutes, and then I just was like, "Yeah, I can't watch any more of this." Well, um, the Transformers: Dark of the Moon. I lasted thirty minutes, and my friend Randy and I tapped out. Um, the chicken, it's hot. She is. She's very pretty, but you know, I just, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I would rather watch Real Steel, and I haven't even seen Real Steel that watch Transformers. If you're talking about robots mashing each other. Which I heard that in Real Steel, there's not as much robots smashing each other as you would think, or as there should be. <laughs> lots of lots of daddy son drama. Yay! Yay! So when you go see that, you I hope I didn't just spoil that for you, love. Anyway, uh, next movie we stepped it up a bit <coughs> as I take another drink. Thirteen Assassins. The new one or the old one? The new one. Yes. Did you like this movie? I liked it, you motherfucker. Let me tell you something. This guy, and I think I've actually maybe, because we've done 10 episodes now, so it's kind of hard to go back and think of all the stuff that I've talked about. But um, <laughs> You've talked about fucking like 300 movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what these pusses on, uh, on the internet talk about. Oh, I watched, uh, you know... 1,200 movies in a year. Give me a break. I watched 1,200 fucking movies in a month. Um, <laughs> I ain't kidding either. I ain't got no life. Um, is that making moonshine and eating beef jerky? And Yeah. We live in the hills. Um, anyway, 13 Assassins I really liked. I thought it was very good. Um, You've uh, seen this before, right? Jaw. Okay, because I remember you talking about the bad guy being a bad guy, super bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I like that it 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 kind of um, at first it just I mean you know lots of movies resemble other movies. It reminded me a lot of um, 
of uh, Seven Samurai and Magnificent Seven, where they build slowly at the beginning, uh, showing the dastardly deeds and them getting together and all that shit. So I liked it. Anyway, I liked it. Uh, next one is another one that I've watched before. Uh, it was Centurion with uh, the Fast Vendor. Cool. And I've watched uh, about anything that he's in. And uh, uh, Olga Kulienko is turning into my new Mila. She, uh, oh, not she. Um, Fassbender is in some new movie coming up that looks interesting where he's a sex addict. Shame. Yeah, that looks kind of the trailer. It, it does look, it looks really good. He is, uh, he picks good projects. Uh, and uh, unlike Tom Hardy, who is going to be in a fucking new movie with Chris Pine, which I don't mind because I'm a Star Trek fan and I like Captain Kirk. Uh, but, um, fuck. Reese Witherspoon, give me a fucking break. (laughs) It said spy versus spy. And I thought, oh, cool, you know, Chris Pine, um, Tom Hardy. This is going to be fucking good. It's an action movie, but it's going to be good. Well, then it kind of has like a little comedy angle where they're two spies who work together. They're friends and everything. Top-notch assassin spy kind of super deal. And they are both dating Reese Witherspoon. And so they they try and cock block each other with assassin skills. Uh, fuck, I hate her. Listen, people, I want to tell you this because I, I want you to get to get to know me. I hate fucking Reese Witherspoon. Ryan Phillippe, it was the, the greatest thing he ever did in his life was dump that fucking pointy chin shit face. <laughs> I hate her. I fucking hate her. Guts. Um, moving right along. I watched uh, Horrible Bosses. Uh, you know, I like a little comedy every once in a while. I like to be funny. Um, the uh, one dude, <laughs> the one dude from, uh, I don't know his name, from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <clears throat> oh. I never thought anybody had a higher pitched voice than Ed Burns. And uh, he does. I mean, and it just gets higher and higher as he gets more excited. The guy that plays Charlie, the guy with, he has a beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, this movie is okay. It's nothing super great. Um, Oh, uh, the the Jennifer Aniston's in it. Um, I like her body, not her body of work. Uh, so <laughs> she needs to just get naked because I mean she still looks good. Just do it now, you know. Don't be like Jessica Biel where they're going to offer you millions and millions of dollars to take your clothes off for big blockbusters, and you decide to take it off for shit ass Powder Blue, which was one of the fucking worst movies ever. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, the next movie was called Zelig. With uh, Woody Allen, I'm, yes. I'm I'm all over the place this time this week, baby. Because I mean, I'm going from shit to to the fucking penthouse. Uh, I like this movie, and I didn't, <laughs> I, I did too. <laughs> I, I I didn't know anything about it, and I didn't know what to expect. And then when it started out, see, I I'm surprised that you liked it because it had a documentary feel. It was a mockumentary. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. maybe that's why because it was a mockumentary. No, but, well, uh, you know, I mean, I, I it's like I hate documentaries and I hate reading, but you know. Well, if there's, uh, if there's anything, if there's anything in there at all that makes me laugh, it'll be, it'll turn it around. I thought this was very clever, and um, um, I just I liked it. I, I um, like I said, I didn't know what to expect. I like Woody Allen. Just about everything he does, I like. There's been a couple here recently where he does some straight up uh, like dramas, and um, there was one with Scarlett Johansson. I liked Vicky Cristina Barcelona, but there was another one with her and that. Uh, that one uh, fucking that, Topher Grace. Nice point. Yeah, nice point I I need to revisit that one because it wasn't bad. 
well, when I watched it, I was expecting, I saw Woody Allen, I was expecting it to be funny. And then I was like, okay, what the fuck's this, you know? <laughs> but I'll, I, I'll check it out again. One of my friends watched it with me, and, and he said he liked it. Uh, the next movie is a classic. And um, let me tell you something, people. This movie, I have not seen it in years, uh, which is a good thing because when it came out, it was so good. I saw it so much. Uh, that it's good to put it on the shelf for probably 10 years and then go back and watch it, which was the movie Stripes. Yes. Uh, fuck, this movie is still funny as shit. And that was one of the ones when I was a kid that I had recorded off. Yeah. See, my, my we didn't have cable until I was probably 12. And Hippie. we, uh, but my grandmother had HBO. Mm hmm. And we would re we would record movies in the middle of the night there all the time, and I fucking wore that tape out at the uh, the mud wrestling scene and stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that that and uh, European John vacation Candy were very just... uh, very influential in my development. <laughs> this could be. I mean, it's hard to say um, somebody's greatest performance or whatever like that because this guy was so good that just about everything he was in was good, including cockfighter where he didn't even fucking speak a goddamn word. But Warren Oates was just fantastic in this. John Candy was just awesome. Um, and Sean Young was in this and she's really young, of course, uh, because <laughs> Sean Young, no. but, um, I saw her on Letterman the other night and she came out and she's, probably she's getting pretty old but you know she was talking about how she kind of fucked her career up by doing the whole Catwoman thing and acting crazy and trying to get that role and everything and of course she was just on celebrity rehab so I think she had a little, uh, quite a drinking problem but she came out there and he's like well what are you here for what are you here to promote and she said nothing you know and then she basically sat there and almost made a, a, a gimmick out of saying that she wanted to work and she wanted people to contact her and everything and uh, it's, they showed her like a little skit of her in a kind of a skin tight Catwoman suit standing out in front of like a video store <laughs> with a sign that said, you know, you know, the uh, new Batman movie or something inside or whatever. And, and it just, it was, all, it was, I know it was kind of supposed to be funny, but it was almost uh, embarrassing because I mean, she was, she used to be pretty hot too. Yeah. But you know, we all get old and get fat as I'm living proof of that. As I sit here and look at my ever growing, penis uh anyway <clears throat> trick switched it up there didn't you <laughs> okay. next one uh we got to keep this moving because i that i'm i'm just halfway through right now oh come <laughs> on <laughs> road to perdition uh i haven't seen this in a long time uh broke out some um old vhs's uh which were very fucking dusty thank god i still have a head cleaner uh, <laughs> boom, boom, uh she went no home. wonder it's growing um but <laughs> One thing that I found by watching this movie is I bought a GE two-head VCR probably 15, 20 years ago. That fucker still plays and will play anything with no stat. I mean, it might have a little bit of stat, but it plays anything. Then I bought two, like a, a shitty cheap Emerson um, uh, VHS player. Uh, from Walmart, and that thing, I guarantee you, it did not last probably a year, and it was forehead, and if you put a VHS in there, it just looks like shit, because every little thing it picks up, and yeah. it, half the time it won't play it. I wish I would have bought 10 of those other ones. You know, I, the, I, have a, I, have an, I have a Sony one, actually, that I bought... Um... When I, was, I, I I used to have like a nice system and stuff, but this is right before DVDs hit. 
So I bought this like really nice uh, VHS and, uh, you know, had the subwoofer and some surround sound speakers and everything like that. So I still actually have that VCR. It's really nice, but there's something to say about the, um, that like brief moment after you've rewound the tape or when you're ejecting Mm -hmm. it, that you're just Mm -hmm. afraid that the tape's going to just still be inside. (laughs) Well, the one thing I've always, I've learned over the years about that is if the tape gets like comes uh, out of the tape and is stuck in there, don't ever pull on it. Just fucking get your screwdriver out, take the top off, and you can just lift it right out of there. Yeah. Because if you pull, you're going to bend something and it's fucked. So anyway, two uh, or a, a VCR went in the trash. Um, I don't know. I might try and I, I just I, it just sucks. It's a piece of shit. Um, anyway, moving right along. As we see, we're getting into the technical stuff. It's Road like to the perdition. technical side. Road to perdition. <laughs> I haven't seen this in years. Um, I didn't know that. I, well, I probably did. I probably just forgot. It, I didn't know it was based on a, a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And when I um, was watching it, knowing that, it was like, man, I'd like to get this graphic novel because, you know, with a lot of, uh, I, I still read um, comics, and I um, uh, got the new Mighty Thor in the mail the other day, and it's really fucking good. Um, <clears throat> but uh, some of the graphic novels. I like them because they're not as much um, superhero stuff. Some of them, some of them are, but you you can just get some good stories like you know Road to Perdition. There's one that's um, that I just ordered yesterday, and it's um, um, it's all it's all revolving around uh, Doctor Moriarty uh, from Sherlock Holmes, and uh-huh. he is the main guy. Cool. Uh, and like the whole fucking story, so it looks pretty good. And like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of like, sort of like that. Um, it's not Alan Moore though. Uh, but I like this movie. Um, Daniel Craig was really good in this. I've come to, I wouldn't say I don't like him, but he's kind of overexposed for me now. And uh, in this movie, he, he in, nowadays he plays you know the charismatic hero all the time, the little chiseled, you know, kind of rough guy. And in this one. It was totally against that because it was at the beginning of his career and he was a little asshole weasel, uh, Paul Newman's son. And uh, so I liked this and I liked it because they shot it from the perspective of the little boy. Uh, you know, he, as he sees his dad, he looks up to his dad and everything. And and just from his perspective, he sees his dad in the bedroom uh, getting ready for dinner. And he pulls uh, a forty-five automatic out of shoulder holster and sits it on the bed. You know, you can imagine. I just thought to myself, can I couldn't imagine like when I was a little kid and I didn't know what my dad did for work. And then you're like, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> um, so this was. It's a good movie. Um, next one was Doubt uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Meryl Streep, and I could watch this movie probably every day, just because it's so much dialogue, and I like the performances. Um, my, my uh, wife saw that, and uh, I never got a chance to get to it. I need to watch that. She, oh, I love she, it. She she recommended it after she saw it. And not only the acting, but just how they. It takes place, I think, maybe a year or two after President Kennedy was assassinated. Uh-huh. And you just, I mean, my God, you think this, when you're watching it, they got everything perfectly. And, and it's just like, almost like a time capsule watching it. I uh, love the movie. Um, Meryl Streep, um, I, I watched, and I can't remember if I said this last week, I watched um, the um, the documentary about John Casale um, from, uh, and, and like I, I said uh, on my Facebook page, the tagline for it is um, he only starred in five movies, and every movie he starred in 
or not he wasn't like the main guy of course but you know he was only in five movies and every movie he was in was uh nominated for best picture of the year and uh he was um actually married to Meryl Streep and uh he died he and um yeah, had lung cancer and died really young uh when they put him in the deer hunter de niro actually put up um uh, he wanted him in the Deer Hunter, and and they said, you know, he's in such bad shape because he, you know, he, he if you watch the movie, he looked really drawn and skinny. And um, De Niro actually put up his sa- put up his salary against him being in the movie in case something would happen, like if he died halfway through and they had to reshoot and everything. So that was pretty cool. But it's just a it's a really good documentary, another good documentary. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving right along, I got some. Uh, well, there's some good stuff here too. Money Train. Uh, I've never seen this one that was uh, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson I didn't know J-Lo was in it or I wouldn't have probably watched it because I don't like her at all um, when she was young and she was in U-Turn and um, the one with George Clooney mm-hmm. uh, before she became a, a big asshole uh, mega push down your throat star I thought she was you know okay and she was cute and everything but uh, she just has turned me off so much uh, but this movie you know uh, you would I, you kind of expect the uh, the um, uh, what do you call it uh, the chemistry from white men can't jump and it's not really there as much. Right. Robert Robert Blake is just totally fucking off the wall, which you know <laughs> that's you know now that you know what you know. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, it was all right. Uh, you got to see a very young Chris Cooper in that. That that was a big surprise. I'm glad I watched it just for that because he plays a crazy pyromaniac. Um, the next one was called The Great Scout and Cat House Thursday. And um, I just happened to catch this on that on this. Um, and it was Lee Marvin and Oliver Reed. And I was like, yes, Lee Marvin <laughs> and Oliver Reed. And Oliver Reed plays a fucking Indian, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, Robert Culp's in it. Kay Lenz is in it. And she's super duper young and hot with her little overbite and everything. Um, and she, she is uh, Cat House Thursday. She's the, the hoe. A prostitute and it's a it's a western uh but it's it's done all very like you know in a very comedic way uh oliver reed is an indian and him and uh lee marvin together just i mean if you get anybody gets a chance to watch this one i i recommend it i've never even heard of it um next one is also a this movie and it's called compulsion um it um uh, was orson wells uh it's kind of it's based on a true story, Leopold and Loeb, which were these two uh, super intellectual kids. Like they graduated from high school when they were like 13 or something like that, went to college and master's degrees or whatever. And uh, they kind of, it was like the perfect storm. The two of them to get or, uh, apart probably would have never done anything, but the mm-hmm. two of them together, they decided uh, they were reading um, about uh, uh, Nietzsche or Nietzsche. And uh, the Superman, his idea of the Superman and everything, and uh, they decided they were they were so smart that they were going to play in the perfect crime. So they this and the true story, they killed a boy, um, and they you know planned it for like seven months and all this and that, every angle and what they were going to do if they if they started getting questioned, everything down to the nth degree. It's like the movie's divided into two parts. You have mm-hmm. the first part with uh, Dean Stockwell. And uh, he's one of them, and I can't remember what the other guy's name is. He was really good in it. Um, 
they they are the Leopold and Loeb kind of guys. They, they change the names of the people, and then uh, it's all them planning it. Martin Milner from Adam Twelve's in it, and then the second part is the like the trial, and um, Orson Welles is in the second part because he plays uh, the, their lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very very good. I I thought that was awesome. The next one I watched was Juno, uh, <laughs> and um, you know I think you know some people. Like the 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 whole thing of you know Diablo Cody at that at right when that came out was like the the you know the, oh my God she's the greatest thing in the world the greatest thing since sliced bread I don't know if she'll ever do anything that's like really good again or anything but this movie's still funny um, watching uh, Paulie Bleeker in his running shorts which he's got the skinniest legs and <laughs> these shorts that are so short it's unbelievable and uh, what's her face is uh, Ellen Page was good she was she was excellent for that role. Uh, but I'm not going to go that too much. Next one was Red Dragon uh, with uh, Ed Norton and Harvey Keitel and, uh, of course, uh, Hannibal Lecter. Fucking what's-his-face. Uh, Hopkins. <laughs> that, that guy, Hannibal Lecter. Um, I guess this is a pretty good movie, but I when I saw it in the theater, I felt the same way as when I was watching it um, uh, the other day, which is I like the Michael Mann one so much better, which I also saw in the theater when it first came out. Um, the Hannibal Lecter character in that one is a lot more understated. He's, it's Brian Cox, <coughs> who I freaking think is great. Um, but this one, Ed Norton, just I don't know what it is. At one time when he did American History X, I thought, man, this guy's the shit, shit. But he's just kind of fallen off the, you know, yeah. Italian job and uh, some of these other ones, like when he played uh, Bruce Banner and the Hulk and everything. I just uh, he just doesn't do it for me at all. When he was in the movie with De Niro and Brando, I thought the same way. I just you know he was he was supposed to be the next big thing. He was going to be he when they did Brando, De Niro, and him in the movie. It was like the three greatest actors of their time. Well, I don't think he is. Uh, he might have been. They were th- going trying to dub him that, but no. Um, uh, Ray Fiennes was good in this as Francis Dolleride, uh, the Red Dragon, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it too. So you know he was I in remember, doubt. I remember. I, I, I don't remember. I don't. I don't really remember much about the movie. I think I saw it right when it came out on video, um, but it did. It did have me track down the book and read it immediately. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember liking the book a whole lot. I think it probably, probably followed the book pretty closely, uh, but I. I just. I. I don't know. I just liked. Um, Man's. I haven't seen Man's version, so. Well, it was a lot more like Drive. I mean, it was a lot more '80s. Okay. Like the 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 uh, the uh, little you know shirt and little uh, sports coat with the sleeves pushed up and shit like that. <laughs> That's uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman, the reporter part, and um, um, what's his uh, guy from uh, Crime Story was uh, played the Harvey Keitel part of the detective. Um, I love that guy, but I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. He was in the uh, the woman's in here with uh, <laughs> Charles uh, Charles uh, Groden. Oh, uh, right, right. Uh, you know, I'll take this pencil and stab it in your fucking head. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's move on here. Card subject to change. This was brought to my attention by Big Mike in Florida, my main man from Florida, FLA. Um, uh, it is a, another documentary. I'm going to town on the documentaries here this week, just for love's sake. Um, it's a documentary about um, 
the uh, independent wrestling, professional wrestling circuit. Cool. And uh, it was pretty good. I, I'm just, I've, I've seen so much because I'm a huge wrestling fan. I've seen so many documentaries, so many shoot interviews and stuff like that. So um, there was one guy uh, uh, that was a big time guy on the uh, independent circuit, Trent Acid, and it kind of follows him around. And uh, about halfway through, you know, I think because I, um, because I watched so much wrestling or did at one time, uh, the first half of it was, you know, to someone who doesn't know anything about wrestling, it would probably be really interesting. But like, because I've seen so much, it was just kind of like, okay, when, you know, for it to be a documentary, they need a, a hook or an angle. They need something to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of that stuff doesn't come around until like, uh, the, after the first half of the movie, but it, it turned out being pretty good. You see a lot of guys that, um, like Terry Funk and um, oh Billy Gunn, a lot of guys that were big names that are now just kind of Kevin Sullivan is like one of the main guys in it. But it was it was it was pretty good. I recommend it if you're a Rathlin fan. The Rathlin fan. Um, next one was called The Seventh Dawn. Uh, William Holden. This is another this movie. I love this man. It's fucking great. Uh, they're mostly MGM. <laughs> MGM movies and a lot of them are not even on DVD. You know, you'll look for them and they're not they're they're not out there. If they are, they're on their website and you have to pay like a lot of money for them. Um, Seventh Dawn, uh, William Holden and Susanna York uh, takes place in Malaysia. He is kind of an expatriated guy who lives in Malaysia, and they are kind of um, sort of like a civil war thing going on over there. Um, and someone kidnaps this girl, and he. Um, goes and it, it kind of almost reminded me of like a Vietnam kind of atmosphere. Uh, and he goes out uh, trying to find her. They, they, the British government or the colonialized, you know, Malaysian government that's backed by the British uh, had captured this, this girl, this lady, and she was the head of this kind of fanatical, uh, I guess like religious or maybe communist uh group or whatever and they were going to hang her so they kidnapped this british guy's chick and so william holden's like you know hey i'll go get her and it's really good i i william holden was um still in pretty good shape he wasn't i mean i'm sure he was drinking like a fish at this time but he still looked good and uh, could do some action stuff uh good movie if you can find it next one is uh deadly intent um uh, this one i i when I saw the cast, I kind of got a boner and I thought, oh my God, this is going to be good. And I was almost going to be late for work watching it. Uh, it was, um, it had Lance, Lance Hendrickson in it and uh, Fred the Hammer Williamson, Maude Adams, Steve Railsback, and some other people. And I started watching it and right at the beginning, fuck, they had this scene with uh, Lance Hendrickson. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so <laughs> fucking good um, because it had to do with. Um, Somebody found this big, huge, almost like Blood Diamond with DiCaprio. Somebody found this great, big, uh, uncut diamond, and uh, then everybody's trying to get it. And he's out in the jungle and, you know, uh, just acting. I mean, like Lance Hendrickson amped up to 10. But then pretty much him and Fred Williamson uh, are only in it just for like a brief part. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it's like rails back and, you know. He's he's all right. I mean, he was good in the Helter Skelter movie and and uh, like Turkey Shoot. I mean, he's not like a great actor or anything, but you know, it was all right. It wasn't great. Right after that, there was one on. And I can't remember what it was called. It had David Carradine and uh, Lee Van Cleef. And fuck, that's the one that almost made me late for work because I was like, I swear to God, I will stay here and I watched 
two hours of this fucking movie and then just go in late because I wanted to watch it. <laughs> I saw about 20 minutes of it and it was really good, but I'll have to find out. I can't remember what it was called and I'll have to go back and, and find it and watch it. Uh, I only got a couple more. <laughs> I only had like 20 movies this fucking Jesus. week. Um, <laughs> next one is called, uh, the Ter- it's a documentary, Terror's Advocate. Um, it's very fucking good. This guy is uh, Jacques Verges. Uh, he is a Vietnamese lawyer. Um, he grew up in Vietnam, um, and he basically has represented uh, PLO uh, terrorists, um, Algerian uh, terrorists, well, what they called terrorists. I mean, they were trying to fucking get France out of their country, so they called themselves freedom fighters. Uh, a lot of the PLO guys, um, uh, Carlos the Jackal, he defended him uh, in court. Uh, Klaus Barbie, the um, – the, uh, ex-Nazi who was living in South America uh, defended him. Just a bunch of shit. Very fucking interesting documentary. Uh, if you get a chance, check this one out. Uh, and the last one uh, was near and dear to my heart is the Ramones end of the century documentary. And uh, I could watch this at actually a million times and have, and I actually got on iTunes the other day. They have it for, you can buy it, I think for $5 and 99 cents. So I have it on my, um, on my iPod so I can listen to it or watch it anytime I want. And it's very, oh my God, this is such a fucking good documentary. If you like the Ramones, I told my sister, she wasn't, wasn't really a fan of the Ramones or Mm -hmm. anything. And, um, I told her, I said, you need to watch it. She goes, yeah, but I never really listened to him. She goes, I remember him, but I didn't. And I said, no, it's just a fucking good documentary. Just about the, uh, not as even as much the music as about, um, their, uh, interaction, how they got along and everything. Very good. And that's about it. So, uh, I will turn it over to you because that was a long goddamn list. <laughs> uh, my, well, my, on your last one real quick, the, um, I, I, uh, we joke about me not liking documentaries. The music documentary is is one I actually rarely like, and it's because it's not because they're not good. It's because usually when I watch a music documentary, it's about a band that I like. I don't, you know, I'm not going to waste time watching something about a band I don't like. Right. And inevitably, in these movies, they're going to show like the real life side of this band. And when I listen to music and hear a band and they're together for years and years, I want them to fucking like each other and like <laughs> have fun. And don't watch, inevitably, don't watch yeah, this one. <laughs> they're going to just fucking be miserable bastards. Like the one about the Pixies, Loud, Quiet, Loud, it's the same way. Like it was mm-hmm. a decent documentary, but I fucking hated watching it because they're just like these pathetic bastards all the time. Well, and, like they just don't but, like each other. And it really drives me crazy like to see like, oh God, this guy I like... Saw- I saw the one with the Pixies, and I know what you're exactly what you're saying because I never listened to them, and I felt the same way you felt about that. This one is different because they don't like each other in an entertaining way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they actually like. Uh, whereas the Pixies, when they're on the road, and uh, Frank Black is just kind of sitting in his room, you know, with his big belly sticking out, playing video games or something, <sighs> or a book, and then Kim Deal, and you know the. the you know, Kim Deal and Kelly Deal, of course, are fun, and they're like <laughs> together, but because they're better than the pigs. Anyway, um, um, <laughs> but they, they, um, this one, like the, the guys are just funny and they're entertaining, and in their assholeness, assholishness, it's uh, it's not in a boring way. Right. I mean, it's in a, it's a lot of times in a funny way and uh, in in an interesting way. I, I wanted them all to be like Joey Ramone. Yeah, the lead is that that's the lead singer, right? Yeah, obsessive compulsive and weird. I, I, I wanted to be kind of awkward and like you know, he was and like true punk rocker is not this fucking like 
neo, well, he was, no neocon bastard like yeah. uh, what, like Johnny. Johnny, yeah. <laughs> but see, that's what I love because you wouldn't think that. You would think, okay, here's these guys with long hair and everything, and here's uh, here's Joey is like a fucking um, like a, a, a huge liberal, and then here's Johnny, and he's like a fucking fascist. He runs the band like a fascist and everything. He's a total fucking asshole. He loves Richard Nixon and shit. <laughs> oh my god, I love this fucking movie. Uh, okay, so I got, of course, uh, the shorter of the two lists again. You watch uh, it, you motherfucker. I know I've seen that one. Um, sorry, you don't like it? I, I just, I, I just don't. I, I like the movie. I just, I like the documentary. I just hate what I feel like afterwards. Like, cause I, you know, the Ramones. I, I like the Ramones, and then when I find out they fucking hate each other and just shit it on each other all the time, it's just like, ugh, God. Well, but uh, that, when just growing up, I, I, that's, I mean, I remember hearing that all the time okay. that they, did, that they didn't like each other. So, you know, anyway. Well, um, I you know, like I said, shorter list for me. Uh, last week uh, oh. before I went in for the fucking launch, um, I watched Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, uh, with uh, Peter Fonda, Susan George, who was cute when she wasn't smiling, and uh, <laughs> and Adam Rourke, and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh God damn it! Sing for me. <laughs> you know, Twenty-four, uh, Vic Morrow. Vic Morrow, Jesus! Or just tell me. I didn't answer. get to sing. Um, <laughs> the um, could have left you hanging there. This one was this one was awesome. Like I liked it a lot. Uh, I, I really liked the. I like how he called her Dingleberry all the time. <laughs> yeah. It was a really cool movie, and the, there's a there's a a chase that I hadn't quite seen before. So it was unique in that way. And that you know, the, I love the uh, chase scenes with, you know, not the normal, not two cars. I'll just put it that way. I won't give away anything, but. Um, and no CTI. This was actual. Th- yeah. This is a, this is a movie like Quentin Tarantino watched and said, "I want to fucking make a car movie like this." Yeah. You know, and, and not with CGI cars and shit. And you know, I want stuntmen in the cars and fucking driving. And yeah, uh, th- th- this was a movie when I was a little kid. Movies like this and Vanishing Point, I fucking would go to the drive-in with my dad, or you know, even when I got a little bit older and could drive myself. I love fucking car movies like this. Yeah. It was really good. Um, uh, and I, I, you know, I liked the, all the, I liked all the character development, and everything. I thought it was cool. So, um, so I went over to a friend's house, and we had been planning this for a while. We were going to watch this made-for-TV movie called um, called Netforce. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was with Scott Bakula and fucking Chris Christopherson's in it, and it's about this like Bill Gates type guy who actually was Judge Reinhold in the movie that makes a um, a, a web browser. That or he finds a hole in his web browser or something where he can take over the internet. It sounded ridiculous, but you know it's three hours long. We started watching it, and then none of us are really into it. Um, so uh, we started watching uh, where we watched Pulse Beat instead with Daniel Green, mm-hmm. the aerobics movie. And that nice. Was, let me tell you, that's a fucking fun movie to watch in a group because we just cracked up the whole time. Um, just you know, people fucking doing exercises and these like music <laughs> montages and. They just they just fucking like bang on the gym equipment all the time and there's you know it's it's funny it's 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 a fun one for a group um, not a great movie though uh, and then I watched I mentioned it last week I think it was last week I watched um, a recent Bollywood movie called Deli Belly um, which we are going to be reviewing on the show uh, with um, I'm not even going to say because it's a surprise <laughs> and we're still debating it. Some people, some people think it's a bad idea. I think it's a good idea. But let's um, just keep me up with them. 
this has uh, Amir. Uh, it's Im- Imran Khan, who is uh, Amir Khan's nephew, I believe. Amir Khan is a pretty huge name in Bollywood, and what's what's cool about him is that he is bringing like the the Hindi like cinema has been a certain thing. And and if anybody's ever seen, you know, the dancing and the singing and all that stuff, that is most movies that are in that are released uh, out of the Bollywood movies. The what what he's doing is he's very he's bringing a very like Western aesthetic and kind of theme to his films. Um, He did not direct this. I think he I think he produced it. Um, His somebody that's in relation to him and like in his I guess circle directed mm-hmm. it and his wife's even directed one called Dobie Got that's that's uh kind of a it, it it could be an indie like romance kind of movie here like a love triangle kind of thing and that was good but Deli Belly like is, romance yeah Deli Belly is like a um, <laughs> <laughs> is a uh, kind of a hangover ripoff um mm-hmm. there's there's a couple you, are you not a hangover fan I fucking I I oh my god <laughs> <sighs> no, but it's, it's that kind of movie with three friends, and it's kind of crude humor. And what, what's shocking about it? If you've watched any Hindi cinema, this shows pretty much everything except nudity. Like I'm surprised about the the language in it. I mean, most of it's in English. Mm-hmm. Um, it's violent. It's uh, they you know profanity. They show they show just full on open mouth making out, and they don't even show kissing in. Hindi cinema, like people hug. That's that's what happens when two lovers get together. They hug. This mm-hmm. one, they, I mean, there's. It shows like they're like Muslim nuns. There's one dude dressed up as one, and there's a, there's a girl, and they're in the back seat, and they're just going to town. And this guy's like pulled up next to him, so it just looks like two nuns making out. I don't know if they're called nice. nuns. I don't know what, but um, I love nuns. They um, hot nuns. But yeah, I mean, it was okay. You know, for a, if if you're comparing it to American movies, it's you know you're like eh. But as a as a viewing it in the realm of Hindi cinema mm-hmm. it was it's pretty out there I mean it's pretty uh pretty risque I know I know that the one of the owners of my theater uh we we have Indian owners and she was kind of appalled by it I think she's huh. kind of religious and she's like oh that movie was filthy so yes it was I mean you know they, were, they actually showed diarrhea in it and everything so. oh yes <laughs> they don't show it actually exiting when the, sh- when the person had diarrhea were they playing that might be racist. Uh, oh, that's... No, my God, I want to. I want to have sex while listening to that music <laughs> so bad. So right. I guess I'm going hitchhike hunting again tonight. Um, and then I watched uh, on instant. I watched uh, Ryan Gosling movie Half Nelson. Um, it's it was okay. Uh, I, I like Gosling a lot, but um, the movie itself kind of drug at times. When um, when it first came out, I I remember. I mean, every, the, it really got some a, a big push, and then I was like so amped because I like Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. And then when I watched it, I was like, eh. yeah, it was okay. I mean, yeah, then, and he plays a good good drug addict. So didn't have any wrestling in it at all, which is fucking kind of a bait <laughs> switch. Uh, what's his name even Nelson? Where where the fuck did the name Half Nelson even come from? I don't remember them. Fuck no, it's goddamn Hollywood douchebags. Yeah. I uh, thought it was going to have like freaking Ryan Gosling as a wrestler, like it's the Dynamite <laughs> Kid or something. Yeah, Kido. Um, I watched Dynamite Kido. Dynamite Kido. Yeah. I watched a Jules Dassin 
uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He did Rafifi. Uh, I'd watch The Naked City. Uh, really good. It's a. I've never seen a a um, a film noir done quite like it. I like the narration in it. Have you seen this one? Naked. What was it? The Naked City. Charlton Heston or who? Uh, no, Barry Fitzgerald. It's nobody I've really heard of. Howard Duff, Dorothy Hart, Don Taylor. Nope. 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 Um, really good. It's kind of like a. It's almost done documentary style, and it's kind of like this is the city, Ooh, and, and you this, liked it. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, it's not really a documentary. It's a it's a fictional oh, story. So okay, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah, like I've never. Is, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll the, let that go now. This is the city, and this is the, <laughs> this is a story that happens in the city, and, and it's really good. It's on instant, so um, check it out. Um, I watched a, a Richard Harrison movie called Blood Debts. I love um, Richard Harrison. I had this on VHS, and it's pretty it's pretty entertaining. It's a Filipino action movie, um, nice. horribly dubbed, and there's a really funny like rocket launcher in the movie. Um, basically it's a guy that, whose daughter and son-in-law get raped and murdered and he just goes on this like rampage, like tracking down everybody. And, um, actually there's a lot of similarities. Maybe we should have done this with the man of the year. <laughs> he gets like, wait a minute, gets, let me jump on there. All the fucking he gets like hired, I think to, uh, I feel like I'm already forgetting it to like, <laughs> to keep killing criminals or something or something and something or killing criminals is cool. But yeah, Richard Harrison like getting in fights and using a rocket launcher is worth. Do you have a mustache? Oh well, yeah. The cover's awesome. So, Um, and then I watched what a fucking shitty way to go out. I have it on VHS also. Ferocious female freedom fighters. Fuck! I thought you were gonna say Drive. I watched a movie. No, the um, this is a Troma production. It had Barry Prima in it, and it has chicks wrestling in it. I thought it was going to be a lot of fun, but what it is is fucking like Lloyd Kaufman and his guys um, did like they watched the movie and redubbed it mm. and the fucking jokes and the stuff like they So they basically have like redone the story and they make Barry Prima into like this Elvis impersonator that does Kung Fu. And it is not funny at all. Like I was just like, fuck, this stinks. I can't believe I bought this tape. You bought um, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought it. I bought it blindly because I was like, "Oh, fucking Barry Prima." Uh, I thought I thought it was going to be like Stabilizer, where Troma just kind of released yeah. it, but it's actually a Troma production where they fucking redubbed it, and it's not mm. funny at all. And the movie was actually, I'm glad uh, the movie would probably be very boring, even without it. So I, I guess it maybe bumped it up to a two instead of a one point five with their Ooh. with their dialogue. So, and that was how I ended my week. I started trying to watch. Um, the Michael Mann movie Thief last night, but uh, it was way too late. So I was hoping you. I saw that you watched, or were, I saw that you posted that you watched it. Yeah, yeah. And I was waiting to hear your uh, assessment, but we'll have to wait until next week. Next week, if you will. All right, that was it for us. Uh, my list was about thirty seconds, <laughs> thirty uh, minutes. So, all right, uh, we're gonna take a he break. Doesn't watch movies. I don't watch any movies. I'm lying. Um, let's do, let's come back and we'll do man of the year first. How does that sound? Yay. Yay. We'll be right back. (laughs) While the global media is focusing on the aftermath of the global financial crisis, debating on whether global warming is scientifically sound or merely a political stunt, or reporting on citizens around the world toppling cruel dictatorships, I want to know why they're not focusing on the big issues. Is chess a better label than Sun? Did Richard Thompson or Britney Spears do a better version of Whoops, I Did It Again? 
Is Lou Reed or Van Morrison a grumpier old man? Do you think you two are a crap band? Do these issues matter in your life? They matter in mine. That's why I host Love That Album, a podcast based around music minutia. Join me, Morris Brzezinski, as every fortnight myself and a guest host will dissect a favourite album right down to its bare bones and discuss some of the latest music news. You can find the podcast either on the blog site lovethatalbum.blogspot.com or at lovethatalbum.podbean, that's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com, or just type in Love That Album, or one word, into iTunes. If your heart pumps to the beat of a Keith Moon drum fill, then I'd recommend you see a cardiologist. Failing that, you probably care about music passionately, in which case, join me for Love That Album. And you won't even have to drive your car into a swimming pool. That's a Jew's harp on the table That's a crayon in his hand And the corners of the blueprint Are ruined since they rolled Far past the stems of thumbtacks That still throw shadows on the woods And the skylight is like skin for a drum I'll never mend And all the rain falls down Amen All right, we're back. That really doesn't match the movie, does it? <laughs> what the hell was that? Leonard Cohen, Last Year's Man. You know, Man of the Year. Last Mick Year's Foley Man. loves Leonard Cohen. Mick Foley does? Yep. I do too. Me and Mick Foley have a lot in common. He stinks too. What about that? Uh, I smell all right. You know, I, I did good this morning. I got up, took shower. God, that never happens on a Thursday. <gasps> Fucking oh, thir- yeah, we record on Thursday. Uh, I uh, and uh, yeah, fucking did some laundry. I'm smelling good. My clothes are smelling good. Smelling good. Looking good. All right. Be all you can be. All right, so first, join the army. Join the uh, in the army. Man of the year, 2003. Or I'm gonna butcher this one. O Omem do Ano is the original title. I can't your, speak Portuguese. Your Portuguese is impeccable. But you thought I was fluent, didn't you? Uh, this is directed by, as I said, Jose Enrique Fonseca, who I don't think I've seen anything else by. Um, he's not directed a lot. Mandrake, a TV series, Treason, nope, TV movies, and nothing else. Eleno, he did in 2011, which biography of the tragic life of one of Brazil's greatest soccer players. Hey, that might not be too Could bad. Be interesting. So, um, so yeah, we have this film from 2003. Uh, we're going to let Zom take the lead. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it here. This, uh, it's on Netflix, and the Netflix uh, um, description of it's a little incorrect, but uh, the one for IMDb is better. It says, uh, Michael has, and it's spelled M-A-I-Q-U-E-L, so it's pronounced a little bit differently, but he's lost a bet and dyed his hair blonde. This little event triggers a head-on collision with destiny in which Michael goes from nobody to hero to outlaw all in 24 hours. And Zom will let you uh, lead off here. Okay. 
Well, <clears throat> I found this movie uh, on one of our extensive silver and gold searches because we want to bring you the very best of cinema, modern day and pa- past and present and whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm glad I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, the um, concept of this movie... See, let me tell you something, people. In case I seem like I, my... my uh, whatchamacallit, uh, power meter or whatever is going down. It's because I took some um, Benadryl this morning. Oh, no. <laughs> it would kick in before the show. Start again, <laughs> man. You fucking movie. <laughs> um, I just coincidentally, I'm going to pick it up because, you know, I can just, just turn it up. On, uh, 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 um, coincidentally, <laughs> I saw... A TV show last night that for some reason it paralleled this movie quite a bit. So if we were going to do instead of Repo Man in this movie, we could have done this episode of Seinfeld. It was uh, George Costanza decided that um, everything that he did in life up until that point was wrong. So he was going to do the exact opposite of everything. If he thought one way, he would do the exact opposite. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he started becoming successful. Uh, <laughs> This dude, he loses, I guess, uh, I don't know if they were actually playing soccer or if they were just betting on soccer. Probably betting. Yeah, and from the description, I kept thinking that that they were actually playing soccer and he was on a team, but they never show anything like that. So I think they were probably just betting. But a lot of people play soccer down there. Um, And he has to go and uh, (laughs) loses a bet and he gets his hair dyed. Uh, uh, (laughs) Almost platinum. Um, But... Uh, almost immediately, uh, he sort of he seems like kind of a thick kind of a guy. Like he, maybe he's not. I, I don't know if I would say he's not all there, but you can see that there's some kind of uh, mental illness or psychosis. At least that's what I thought. Yeah, the, he's he's. Uh, I don't know if he's acting or if it was real. Um, he's kind of twitchy. Um, blink. Like he yeah. blinks a lot and uh, like kind of has a a thick tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't. I, I, I've not seen this guy at anything else. Um, I mean, looking at his his IMDb, he's just done a bunch of Brazilian television. Um, so he kind of looks like, um, especially when, well, first thing I thought when I saw him with the blonde hair was Guy Pierce from Memento, because yeah. Guy Pierce had his hair dyed that way. But then I kind of morphed it because as I watched it, I thought, you know what? Okay, this he he just the hair thing reminds me of Guy Pierce, but. He is almost like a cross between Guy Pearce and Memento and James Vanderbeek. So they <laughs> remade this. You know, the the one um, the one movie with Vanderbeek where he was uh, kind of like playing Patrick Bateman from American Psycho's brother. Um, it had Jessica Biel and a bunch of you know people in it. Um, that's kind of how he what he reminds me of. Um, he gets his hair died and then when he's looking in the mirror like i said i don't know if he's like schizophrenic or or something like that he definitely has a low self-esteem and uh <clears throat> when he sees this nature boy rick flair like hair he suddenly is like wait a minute this isn't me anymore this how cool now you know hey yeah. so he immediately the confidence that he never had because i think he was one of these guys that was just kind of like brow beaten and you know just never fought back or anything like that and uh, 
the girl, um, as we said before, there are some uh, a couple of very attractive women in this, and even more when you talk about when they went to the rave, uh, they go to a rave, and there's some oh my god, some of these Brazilian girls are like, hoo ha, I'd like Ooh-ha. to go to. Um, but he immediately gets confidence, even with the girl who's just doing his hair. I mean, it's like a light switch. And he's where he normally would have probably sat there, never said a word, never asked her out or anything. Now, with, he, when when somebody somebody with those uh, with that chest is uh, in your face messing with your hair, though, that oh, light, that light switch is going to be flipped up anyway. Oh, it was flipped. It was flipped. <laughs> um, so basically, like I said, like the George Costanza thing, it's sort it's sort of like uh, I think a lot of people probably have had this in their life where you know they're kind of just cruising along. And then all of a sudden, good things start happening, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, just for, for even a brief short period of time or whatever, out of the blue. Um, he um, he basically go. he's, he's kind of like uh, almost – he's got this hot chick. So he wants to kind of go and show his friends, hey, you know, God, my God, look at this girl. Plus, he has to show them for the bet that he went and got his hair done. Yeah. Um, so – he, he kind of falls into a situation where he is feeling real confident and everything, and then all of a sudden somebody kind of rains on his parade by making fun of him, right. saying he looks like a you know a fag or whatever. That's the words that were used and everything. At first, he was the one. The guy was like, "I didn't even say that," you know. He was making fun of him, just laughing at him because you know a, he's already got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And and so it leads to some uh, like kind of like a violent situation, which. Almost reminded me of um, uh, Don Vito Corleone in The Godfather Part Two, where he kind of goes and handles a – not for any reason, not because the guy did anything but insult him and the guy was kind of – they got aggressive with each other, that he he goes and, and um, sort of is like, okay, more than likely I would – if it was the old me, I would have sat at home and just, you know, kind of hid out in my apartment hoping that nothing would happen. But he's like, you know, this is the new me, so I'm going to go do something. So he handles it violently and then becomes um, – all of a sudden, he's worried that all this bad shit's going to start happening. Yeah. But it's the exact – like I said, it's it's just like everything – the worm has turned for him. Everything starts uh, turning in the opposite direction. Uh, uh, he becomes like almost like a hero. To the little, you know, the town people, yep. uh, because the guy was an asshole that that he dealt with, and they start bringing him gifts. The, and the, one of my favorite parts was that the, 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 uh, the, he gets uh, he comes home and there's all these gifts laying out in front of his apartment, and uh, somebody brings him a pig. <laughs> and this was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Well, there's a lot of I'm, I, I really like the movie, but um. Um, he gets this pig, and it's a little pink pig, a little baby pig almost. And uh, he's like, "I'm going to name you Bill." And he's, so he's then watching Bill, Bill Clinton on TV. Yeah, and Bill becomes like his his uh, almost like his pet or his buddy or whatever. And uh, <laughs> Bill, you you leave those shoes alone, you know. And uh, or uh, so, and there's a lot of stuff where he's like actually in the bathtub, uh, naked. Washing the the pig, giving it like a bubble <laughs> bath and stuff, which I it, that reminded me of me a lot because I know that most people that that uh, follow me, I guess follow me on the internet, know that I like a good soak. But there are several <laughs> times where 
I have come to find when um, giving a dog a bath, especially in the wintertime when you don't want to do it outside because it's really cold, um, sometimes you just just better off just to put them in the shower and get in there with them. Oh, I do it every time. It's so yeah. much easier to wash the dog in the shower. I've never I've never sat in the bathtub because my oh. dogs are really hairy and you just have <laughs> hair all over you, but I definitely get in the shower. Um, so then anyway, it's kind of like... I, I liked his... Uh, the the care package he got right at the beginning it was like it was like his badass like uh uh primo primo uh uh sorry his badass like intro pack um he had like a black shirt and shades cigarettes mm-hmm. liquor and just a big pile of meat <laughs> yeah it was just it was like a it was just his um like um i don't know superman like a, kind of like a superman's lair kind of a thing okay yeah. now you're this is what this is this from now on here is your costume your food and everything so he becomes a hero and then at first it, it's it's pretty cool and um he you can see at first he's kind of uncomfortable with it. he's like what the fuck you know everybody's like dude man uh, he's expecting you know to almost go to jail and worried and i mean even the cops are like man that guy was an asshole you know he deserved what he got you did a good job man and uh, anyway so but then um you see it he goes through a metamorphosis where at first, like I said, like uh, almost like a uh, Vito Corleone, he becomes like a uh, protector of the neighborhood. Yep. And then people start coming to him, you know, this guy did this to me or this person did this, this person's harassing me. And then he starts almost having this other metamorphosis. The whole thing is a metamorphosis from the time he gets his hair dyed blonde uh, because um, he starts being almost used. Yeah. And then the power starts kind of going to his head, and he starts getting a really big ego and shit like that. Um, the girl, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of funny stuff in here. Um, uh, the girl that did his hair, of course, you know, right off the bat when she does his hair and she starts telling him how good he looks and everything, they they um, they kind of hook up. And uh, <laughs> he, he goes to work at a pet store, and the guy at the pet store is just like full of all this advice. And to be honest with you, if he probably would have listened to this older dude, he he would have <laughs> had a lot less trouble because the guy's like, uh, you know, marriage, marriage, you better get used to it. Cause he's cleaning out the rabbit cages and stuff. Uh, you know, there's a lot of shit there. You better get used to it. Uh, that's what marriage is. Baby shit, you know, and, uh, women are all cute till, till your, till your wedding day. Then they turn into a, a fat, vindictive, they turn into fat, vindictive cows so he's basically you know only dumb women get pregnant right. um there's lots of lines like that and he this older guy's like telling him say dude you know don't don't basically don't follow your dick because you know as soon as they they ensnare you you're gonna regret it um he he has like a kind of a little group i wouldn't even say a gang at first i think they were just kind of guys that just hung out and uh you know, they sure they did a little drugs and stuff, hung out at a garage and things like that. But then, as he he becomes more, almost like a entrenched in like a corrupt corruption and organized crime, and all these powerful guys are kind of saying like, hey, you know, there's this young guy and hey, he he takes care of business. We'll put him to work for us. And so he he gets involved in, in a lot of stuff. And at first, I was thinking, you know, God, he's getting in over his head. But then it almost takes like a uh, another movie that I thought of when I was watching. This is uh, Scarface with Tony Montana. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. Okay. He I was starts trying to out think as, of an example. I'm I'm not a big fan of that movie. I was trying to think of an example how of because it seems like a common theme 
mm-hmm. um, for, you know, like a kind of a no guy to come up and all of a sudden, like, you know, find himself in something that way bigger than he ever thought. Yeah. Well, he, he he goes from being, this, you know, kind of a schlub kind of a guy uh, uh, to being a, you know, badass I mean, everybody's like, "Fuck!" And, you know, here comes the guy with that guy with the blonde hair and shit like that. And uh, everybody, know, all the the powerful people know him. He can pretty much do no wrong. And um, then he he almost comes up to their level. And um, but inside, but then on the on the periphery of that, there's the deal with the women. Right. And and. Um, at first, he said all he wanted to do because he 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 if at the beginning he didn't have a job or anything he hung out with his buddies and you know like I said they might you know smoke some weed or do some coke or something like that but they just kind of hung out and everything he lived in a little slum apartment or anything. Well, then when he met that girl, he his his first ambition was all I want to do is you know just be an, a, a normal guy. Yep. I want to get a job. I want to get married. I want to have a kid and I want to support my family and just be normal. But then circumstances, you know, jump over that. And he becomes, like I said, like Tony Montana, where he gets the cars, the money, the women, uh, and, and then you get the power. And, um, but this all kind of leads, um, you knew, at least I, from my point of view, uh, you can see where it's headed uh, because it's it just starts overcoming him. He starts doing things that he wouldn't have done before, you know, for various reasons. Um, he's there's, more and more comfortable with the horrific things he's doing. Yeah, and um, the women in his life at first – uh, they like the excitement of him and, you know, that he's this young, cool guy and he's doing all this shit and everything. But then even with them, um, they, they get to where they're like, you know, uh, come on, you know, we, you, you need to straighten up or do whatever. And, and he just totally rejects it. He's, he's went down the path of evil almost. And anybody that's telling him, you know, come on, you know, uh, let's let's stop this, let's do this, or let's do that, or or you know, what you're doing is wrong, or whatever, and he's just like, you know, not having anything of it. Anybody that tells him that, he he, I think he just kind of is like, okay, before I was nothing, look at me now. I'm not letting anybody take this away from me, no matter what. Well, and you get the feeling that he he would he almost would do anything and go to any length to kind of keep his his position plus he still has the fear you know he's like oh, he's a criminal he doesn't want to go to jail or anything yeah. even though he's in the back pocket of you know just about every everybody there is yeah it's like it, it's it's it, what's interesting about this and like i said it's it's a similar theme to what you see like like in scarface but in in most of those movies what happens is it focuses on the main person and that main person you know change you see the change in them um with him you you see some of that change, but at the same time, you see like the original like nervous guy always there, and mm-hmm. he, uh, it's like for him, it's not the exploration of like right and wrong. That's not the forefront of his his uh, I guess turmoil. It's more like convenience and coincidence for him. It's like yeah, the right, the right and wrong they come from everyone around him instead. So it's like he he's constantly getting advice on women and criminality and you know somebody's going to push him one way somebody's going to push him another 
and it's it, it always at one time it's always like it's, there's like a struggle and and it actually there's a quote at the end that he gives as he's driving i won't tell the quote but kind of the talks about you know controlling your life versus your life controlling you mm-hmm. and it's it, i thought that was a really interesting way to go with this is that it's it's a constant thing like everyone sometimes you'll see him in total control and then the next scene it's like he's doing something because somebody else wants him to and even though he's becoming more and more powerful, more and more influential, more and more horrific, I guess, in his actions, he still always has that outside force of whoever or whatever making him do something else. And it's not right. always just that he's power hungry, but it's that he wants to appease somebody or, you know. Well, that's, that's the thing. I don't think that – I don't think he was ever like – like Tony Montana, his whole thing was, you know, he he was – basically going to move up the ladder mm-hmm. and he was going to sit on top of the world. That was the big quote, you know, Tony Montana, you, you know, you're on top of the world or whatever. He's not like that. It is circumstances. He didn't have those and, aspirations at all, especially at the beginning. And I think because he's kind of, I wouldn't say mentally challenged, but in some ways I think maybe mildly, or, or like I said, at least if, if not that, at, at least he has some sort of, uh, I thought mental illness with, you know, cause I thought like the blinking and stuff like that. Yeah. And then like uh, sometimes looking in the mirror and hearing, you know, some voices and shit like that. Um, it's almost like he can't say no. Yeah. And as long as he doesn't say no, he, he just keeps falling, uh, you know, falling into a pot of gold and falling into not falling into shit. He sort of starts falling into shit, but uh, most of that out is outweighed by all the good things. It seems like, uh, you know, somebody come up to him and say, "Hey, you know, we we need to do this. Take care of this guy, or whatever." It's like at first you can kind of see him as like, "Oh God, you know, not again." But as he he never he doesn't say no, and he almost kind of I don't know if he say he can't say no, but he just kind of goes goes with the flow and yeah. and um, in some ways, you know, you watch it and you're like, "Fuck, man, this guy's got it made." But you know how far can it's it's almost like the the quintessential question of uh, okay if you could do this thing and you would be successful uh, beyond your wild imaginations you could be on top of the world for ten years but then you die or you could just live a normal life and live until you're like eighty years old right. what would you rather do and there's some people that are just like uh, they want that quick thing because when you're young. But I, I, like I said, I don't feel like it was any kind of ambition with him or anything. A lot of it was just the, um, the, 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 um, kind of the tail wagging the dog kind of a deal. Yeah. And he, um, inside, he's still just that guy from the beginning. And you did see him doing a lot of shit, but it was mostly almost like a survival thing. Almost like a survival mechanism, even with his relationships and everything, you know. So, but uh, it's—he's a lot more reactionary as opposed to like manipulative being, being, or anything. Being the driving force, right, 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 right. Not not the driving force at all. It's just all kind of like, a, um, almost like an animal or something like yeah. that, where he's just kind of pointed in a direction. Like he's he's like the—I mean, he's he's their gun. He's he's pointed in this direction and in that direction, and. um the girls kind of point him in what direction they want to point him in. And he's just easily manipulated because he's kind of thick. So, yep. So, um, well, I, don't, I mean, I, I, I didn't take a lot on the, not a lot of notes on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like 
well, the stuff we usually talk about the you know the the funniness and stuff. I mean, there's a little bit in there that you, you'll find entertaining, like when, mm-hmm. they, when the him and his girlfriend fuck where he's wearing that plastic cap to get his hair dyed. <laughs> yeah. Um. What what another interesting thing I saw like they kind of would refer to his hair color throughout the movie and like his roots would be coming back in. And that was kind of like, I think that was kind of a, you know, saying that, you know, you're becoming like your old person again. They never actually, yeah, they never it's specifically almost like say that, but he always has to keep coloring his hair. because As long as his hair is blonde, he is this guy. Yeah. But it's and almost like reverting back, and he's like, oh, uh, like it, it's almost like Superman if he starts losing his powers or something like that, and then he has to go do this to recharge him. Yeah. You know? And, um, he uh yeah and there, like you were saying there's some just hot chicks in this movie like the the girlfriend the main one her name is Cledier or something like that um she yeah. was she was she was gorgeous and then um even the girl that played the 15 year old was hot in her own way and then there yes. was this other and girl. she was not 15 when she made this no she was because, like 25 yeah when i was watching i was like man that i mean just me this is just me uh, Erica, that's that girl. Um, she was supposed to be this 15 year old girl. And right off the bat, even w- she was with, uh, the initial guy that he has the confrontation with. Mm-hmm. And then she comes to him, uh, right off the bat, just more my kind of girl, just the way she dressed and everything. And, and then I thought <laughs> I better look this up because if I get on the show and say, man, this girl's fucking hot as shit. And that I really you know, want to earn, I better make sure that she was not 15 and she was not 15. Yeah. She's, uh, about, she's about my age. She's like 33 yeah. now. So yeah. she was probably, you know, Late twenties, mid twenties, when she made nice this little movie. tattoo, and uh, she, she was definitely cute. And then the then one of the doctors, like, had the, in the group of racists, oh my God. his daughter was hot in a way that a woman I would never like pursue at all, but one you'd right. like to just admire from a distance. Well, and then I, that's one thing when you brought that one up. Um, I thought right off the bat. These powerful guys, they, they a lot of people came to him and they were feeding him stories like, you know, this guy came into my store and he did this and that, and uh, he's threatening my wife and he's threatening my kids, or this guy he raped my daughter and everything. And then as you're seeing it, and I thought I thought this was what the, what was going on, um, that the powerful guys, okay, maybe the people in the town that would come to him with something like that, it might have been true. But I think with the powerful guys, it was more or less like, okay, I'll feed him this line of shit and make it sound as horrible as possible so he'll go kill this guy. Yeah. And the guy was probably like, what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> uh, because um, the one guy's like, you know, this guy, he, he raped my daughter. He's a piece of shit and all this and that, and, and he's threatening me and everything. And then you see the daughter and you're like, okay, I don't think anybody raped that girl. <laughs> I think she probably raped him, you know? <laughs> she's um, a, yeah, she's a, she's a little forward. So very yeah, a little I, to say the least. And it's funny, I was I was on break at, at at Apple watching that part of the movie, and I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, and I had to like, put, you know, I was watching on my iPad, and I like <laughs> put a piece of paper between everybody and the iPad. But I was like, oh, geez, what is what's going on? Nice. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the um, the I really like the the different twist this took on this particular kind of story about a nothing guy becoming like crime lord. Um, it's, uh, I, I like that they left him the nervous guy and the, mm-hmm. and that even though people were viewing him as this, you know, badass and like to be feared, they still, you know, he was, you, you still saw the other, the, the normal side of him, the dark haired side of him, I guess. 
a, well, a lot and, of times. So and and to go in the uh, silver and gold tradition uh, of of uh, racism or talking about racism or whatever, there was one guy that had a really good line, and he was like, you know, this this guy, this mulatto guy, he's got to go. You know, I I I don't like black people. I'm one hell of a racist. <laughs> he's like, he was he was proud of his racism. Yeah. I'm one hell of a racist. <laughs> The dentist, yeah. yeah. I, I was trying to figure out if the if the fact that the one of the main villainous guys was a dentist had any like any kind of symbolism, but I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I thought that was pretty interesting that you know he's talking in talking in Michael's ear as he's like drilling his teeth constantly. Yeah, and, yeah I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. So, um, but yeah, that's all. That's about all I have too. So go ahead. You can go ahead and rate it if you want. Well, I would. Um, I had never even heard of this movie. Uh, we were just kind of doing a brainstorming session of movies that we wanted to review and looking on Netflix, and I just happened to see this on Instant Watch, and you know, saw the the main thing was like, you know, this guy loses a bet, and the bet is that he has to go get his hair dyed blonde, and then after he gets his hair dyed blonde, uh, things hijinks ensues or something. I didn't know if it was a comedy because at first I thought it was a really serious movie, but then I read on a thing they had it like it says it's listed on IMDb as action comedy crime. And there are some funny things, yeah. But I wouldn't call it a comedy. No, no, no. It's not at all. I mean, the, some of the stuff with the pig in it, like the pig mm. keeps eating his shoes and stuff like mm. that. I mean, that's that's funny. But for the most part, the, maybe the part that they find comedy would be like. Well, some of the like, things that the guy says when the guy's giving him advice about women yeah. at the pet store. The, there's there were some one-liners in there where he's telling him, you know, women are this or women are that or whatever, and you know, I was just like, oh my god, it's so fucking great. And the guy's saying, I'm one hell of a racist, you know. <laughs> uh, but I would give it probably like a like a seven point five. I like the pig stuff. I like yeah. the, the 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 pig was just as cute as could be, and the way he interacted with the pig, and um, I like the um, uh, Erica. Natalia uh, is I don't know if it's Lege or something like that's what her name is. I looked her up to, before we went on air, and she's a cutie. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I thought it was a really good movie. I'm glad it's one of those kind of ones that I that you 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 know you see movies on Netflix or whatever, and you think, oh man, this looks good. And then you get them, it's kind of hit or miss. This was a, you know one that I'm glad that we you know found. Yeah, we stumbled and, across uh, this one totally because trying to find a match for for uh... yeah. Repo Man, so I, and, I I watch this again too. I, I and I'd recommend it. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, I'm right there with you. I give it a seven point seven five out of ten. Um, the for me, I guess the third act started, and that, that this is a case for me in a lot of movies. But the third act started to drag just a little bit mm-hmm. um, when he's, I guess, the most comfortable in his blonde hair role. Yeah. Um, the, you know that that kind of got that, cliched a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it ended strong. Um, the the acting is good all around. I mean, what mm-hmm. it's it's for me, it's hard to tell if usually if acting's bad if they're not speaking in English unless yeah. it's really really bad. Um, but I mean, everybody seemed good, and he if especially if uh, uh, his name is Morillo Benicio, the main mm-hmm. guy that played Michael. Especially if he was putting on the, I don't know if he's like twitchy like that in real life, but um, I, I, I kind of took that as being. Uh, um, um, it reminded me of um, another. Uh, as as we're talking about, uh, we we like things to to uh, kind of hook up on silver and gold. Uh, another Ryan Gosling thing. If you ever see um, Lars and the Real Girl, I have that on the way. Uh, yeah, he uh, he. Um, I noticed this, and some of my friends were like, "Hey, I never noticed that until you said it." But he kind of has that like. Uh, Blinking, kind of the nervous twitch. Blink. 
Like not all the time, but just like when certain things happen, he's like, you know, like it's not, it's not, yeah, it's not simple. It's not as simple as the eyelids close. It's like your face yeah. actually scrunches up a little bit. It's like a, a nervous, or like almost like a nervous disorder, a nervous, uh, like a uh, Tourette syndrome kind of a thing or yeah. something. It's, a, um, it, it's a definitely a, go ahead. But um, I didn't have anything. To oh, say. sorry. The, yeah, solid. <laughs> it's a, this is a solid movie. Um, definitely worth checking out. It's uh, it's a little different take on the on that kind of genre. So. Seven five and a seven point seven five. Good, good pick, movie. Good, good, good pick. pick. That was Zom's pick. So yeah. awesome. Um, so yeah, well, let's take a break, and we're going to come back and do quite a di- quite a different movie that wasn't nearly as related as we thought, but maybe. Well, yeah. maybe we'll get some pull some extract something out of there. Uh, well, Alex Cox extract extract the Cox. Uh, extra- extract the cocks. I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back and do Repo Man. Okay. Yesterday, during the preparation of those few dread little twins I captured, I tuned into entrails from the skeleton closet. God damn it! I was hoping to catch the newest episode before tonight's feast. Matt and Mike are the shit when it comes to odious cinema. Well, that's what I've been trying to tell you. I became so enthralled in the show that I negligently dismissed both children as being dead. After dissecting and boiling the boy, I realized that the girl had escaped the house and taken to the forest. How could you be so reckless, you old fool? Check out Entrails from the Skeleton Closet for reviews and discussions on genre-specific exploitation, horror, television, and general cult cinema. It just might save your life. But your brother's totally fucked. You know, we could pickle that little boy and save him for the solstice. Ooh, yummy. back little iggy pop there that's the theme song from the movie actually repo man iggy i love that song man that's awesome so yeah repo man 1984 zom i'll let you intro it young punk auto becomes a repo man after helping steal a car and stumbles into a world of wackiness as a result I'm drugged, man. I am so drugged. Feel the enthusiasm. I'm enthusiasm. I am enthusiasm. (laughs) I'm not just enthusiastic. I am enthusiasm. 
And uh, to tie this Fuck back, me, running. <laughs> to tie this back to yes. uh, to our show here, uh, Alex oh. Cox actually was releasing this. Um, he was getting this movie made uh, when whatever studio it was coming out with at the time, um, they were kind of focusing all of their their energies on Streets of Fire. So um, this is kind of how, thanks to Streets of Fire, this movie got released on a major major label. So on a did, major how, label. Did you like movie. Streets of Fire? A little bit. It was okay. Better than this. Um, uh, don't, uh, no, don't even say it. Don't even say it. <laughs> we'll talk about it at the end of the. Yeah. Thing. The the um I, I read some uh, and on Alex Cox's website actually he uh, this is his first I guess big film but he uh, talked about this movie and that you know how it kind of sn- snuck in under the radar because the studio was you know investing so much in Streets of Fire this they were pretty much greenlighting whatever anybody was you know saying otherwise like oh yeah yeah we'll give you some money for that. Um, the stars Emilio Estevez, and also probably in an early role, uh, Harry Dean Stanton as a kind of a guru, kind of repo man. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking awesome appearance by Cy Richardson, who again, like I said, I was looking up, and I was trying to figure out what else I've seen him in. Like I've seen the movies he's in, but and and he looks very familiar, and like his personality. I think he was my one of my favorite parts of the movie. So, um, Jaw. They, uh, this movie is very, very entwined with, it has a very punk sensibility. Um, it comes at, it came at a time, I guess, right as the punk movement was a little weird because it kind of came and went and then came back again when it moved out West. Um, it was kind of over by the late seventies, but there was a resurgence in California with, with, uh, Black Flag and X and bands like that. So, you know, you had another push and even in the Bay Area with Dead Kennedys by the mid 80s. So the um, this definitely check has out that. the big brain on bread. <laughs> this is my motherfucker. You smart motherfucker. The mama says bad motherfucker on it. I have that wallet. I have the bad motherfucker. wallet. Do you really? I get comments on it all the time. It's great. You know, music. Um, we, we cover all music because like loaf. Knows music from like young music, and I like Glenn Campbell and Engelbert Humperdinck music. I love some Engelbert. <laughs> so I sing you to sleep. What does this have to do with this movie? Continue. Sorry, Quit interrupting. Dom is falling asleep. So I'm um, not falling asleep. I'm just like, this is my time to think <laughs> and not speak. <laughs> Uh, feel free to always jump in, though. So, um, how about now? That's a good one. I like that. Uh, so, this is um, <laughs> very, very punk rock movie, um, but very, it gets very bizarre. Um, it not only like celebrates the punk rock culture, but it also, in a way, kind of pokes fun at it. And it kind of, it's a, I guess it's a total poking in the ribs of to 80s society in general like it's you know they they touch on this the whole like do aliens exist thing and like you know differences in in people in society and uh, the an government control reagan and it was that what an asshole ronald reagan was what an asshole ronald reagan was i mean like the government agency like the the main chicken it wears a michael jackson glove all the time um, alex cox was not down with uh the uh reagan administration he was not, and it's it, it's it's interesting that a British man would have as much like, uh, I guess, 
Hispanic influence in his movies. There's always seems to be like I, I even watched, like I said, Repo Man. I mean Repo Man, uh, Highway Patrolman a few weeks ago, and that was that he had actually left Hollywood and made movies in Mexico, which is a, you know really bizarre. So well, all the shit that went down in the in, in the 80s with, um, like I said, Ronnie the Cowboy uh, going down and protecting the. Uh, the you know protecting America from the dominoes falling, mm-hmm. and uh, you know basically going down there and sponsoring death squads and shit like that. Uh, right wing fascist assholes who um, they had to stop those commies, those poor commies, yeah, poor fucking commies, <laughs> which was basically just poor people, and uh, they didn't want to lose their interests, their uh, you know Coca Cola and fucking rubber plantations and banana plantations and shit like that. So he was really, um, a lot of his movies, um, you know, have things that are kind of either, uh, kicks in the balls to that shit. Uh, that's like the movie Walker that he put out with, um, Ed Harris. Yeah. Um, it's about a, um, a guy that, uh, a real life guy uh, that went down and you know decided he was going to uh, you know conquer and take over Nicaragua with a bunch of his mercenaries, and uh, but it's it, the reason he did that movie is because of all the shit that was going on in Nicaragua and it parallels a lot of it uh, with back then in the you know 1800s as compared to now, and so he was not a fan, and I think that. And it's weird to say this, but there were several at, at that time. And I think maybe even a little bit with this movie, uh, there were movies and music videos and shit like that that um, I don't know if I would say they didn't get the push they should have. But like uh, uh, the Rolling Stones had a video uh, called Undercover of the Night. Uh, It's a really good video, but it was a real slam at, uh, you know, some of the shit that was going on in South America that was funded by Ronald Reagan and, and our country. And I think this movie, that movie Walker, and and, and a lot of other movies, um, they were the the uh, right side of the United States uh, wasn't down with that. The John Wayne side, which you heard at the beginning of the uh, of the podcast, because you know the, the, these people worship um, those icons, even if those icons aren't even, you know, like Ronald Reagan, oh, he was a cowboy president. He was not a fucking cowboy president. That's the same with George W. Bush. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a cowboy. He wasn't a tough guy in real life. They just liked that image. And, um, you know, so whatever. But, I mean, this movie, um, I think when you were, when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. okay, well, now this came out when I graduated from high school. But I think that if a if a kid watched this, like if I, if I was you know fourteen or fifteen or something like that, I probably wouldn't get a lot of the you know political stuff. Right. It's like a little slap in the face or little shit things like that. But when you, it, it's it's a movie that, and I've I've heard several people say this, the more times you watch it, you pick up on stuff. Yep. Uh, Morgan Spurlock has a has a, uh, a documentary coming out called uh, you know uh, Palm Wonderful presents the greatest uh, documentary ever sold. Yeah, and it's we, about we product. That, we we played that at the theater for a couple yeah. weeks actually. Though. It's about product placement in today's movies. You don't see any product placement. I in this love film. I love the lack of product placement. Like everything has, and I know Generic. you haven't watched Lost, but everybody has. It's 
totally saying something with all the Dharma initiative labels. Like in yeah. in Lost, everything just says, you know, beer or things like that. And that's exactly what they is. They're plain, which is interesting because right, right at the beginning, they show a grocery store and they actually show some Del Monte, these giant Del Monte signs. I don't know what that was, but and then they show. Because, well, uh, what that might have been, as I said, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but no, no, no. Uh, you know, I'm being very respectful. No, seriously. But anyway, um, Fuck that you, motherfucker. Had to do with, uh, uh, like I said, in South America, one of the big um, American interests that we were protecting down there are these, you know, American companies. They didn't want them to get taken over and nationalized. Mm-hmm. And and one of the big ones was like uh, banana, the banana plantations and stuff like that. So I never even thought of that until you just said that. In Brazil. But, Everything else was generic, and then they have Del Monte, you know, yeah. fruit and uh, canning, uh, you know, fruit company or whatever. So they so, had the, the, uh, my favorite one was when uh, when Otto uh, Emilio Estevez is talking to his parents. His parents are kind of like religious stoners. Uh, he's talking to him, and he's eating out of a can, and the can just says "food" on the side. <laughs> Like, yeah, meat flavor or something. <laughs> it's just food. And he's eating with a spoon out of the can, and his parents have talked about how they've given his money away. So this is why he needs a job. So he yeah, gets, it had a little bit of a slam against televangelism. Oh, there. totally. Yeah, they, uh, they, so basically he needs money. He, he, as a punk, he's obviously against the man being the repo man, but then his, like, you know, childish side gets a kick out of, like, you know, taking these cars from people. Yeah, adventure. Um, I love the part when he finds out that he's at a repo station and uh, he's like, wait, so you're repo men? And they're like, yeah. And he just dumps his beer, his yeah. generically labeled beer right on the floor. He just stands there looking at them and pours his beer on the floor. And then <laughs> fucking Cy Richardson walks in. His name's Light in the movie. He just walks in. He just steps over the puddle. He's like, <laughs> he said, somebody pissed on the floor again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I fucking love him in the movie. So the, the um, Estevez, um this this he reached this zenith <laughs> and then kind of started mighty ducking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know he's he's producing movies and 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 uh and directing them and stuff like that, but he was pretty he was pretty uh a pretty you know, brat pack superstar kind of an actor, mm-hmm. saying almost fire. Uh Roblo. Anyway, Outsiders. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and uh, you know, Pony Boy Curtis and all the, you know, all those guys. Yep. Uh, uh, but he was really good in this. And I, as I was watching this, Charlie Sheen did a little um, a, a thing on. He was on, um, I think, Leno uh, the other day. And after going totally, you know, making a complete, I, I mean, it's my opinion, but uh, making a complete and total ass out of himself for you know about a year. He went on Leno and kind of made fun of the fact that he did and that he's, you know, getting his act together and everything. So apparently he wants to actually try and work again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, this kind of reminded me that um, I don't know. I, I it, it, if you chose from Emilio Estevez at his height or Charlie Sheen at his height with Platoon and say Wall Street or something like that. Hot Shots Part the or Emilio Estevez from you know Breakfast Club and stuff like that. Um, who who do you prefer? I I guess for dramatic acting, I like yeah. Charlie Sheen. I, mm-hmm. I like in uh, what was the one uh, uh, Ferris Bueller. I fucking love, oh. and it's not really I guess dramatic acting. I love Charlie Sheen in that the little appearance he makes in that. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Whoa. 
I like Emilio Estevez as like a frustrated like asshole. Mm-hmm. I think he did he did that well because he's a little bit of a smaller guy. I think Charlie Sheen yeah. looks like he might be like taller and leaner and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like the I like that Emilio Estevez has this like kind of like chip on his shoulder. Seems like all mm-hmm. the time. Like I don't know. I mean, it just depends on the mood I'm in. I need yeah. to see Maximum Overdrive again. By the way, he, he, oh, I hated that movie. I walked out of that. <laughs> I did seriously. We went to see it in a theater, and I was like, oh my god. And I've heard so many people that really like it, so maybe I need to watch it again. I, I, I have fond memories of it, but I saw it on cable when I was like 13. So, But uh, this movie, um, one one of the big appeals to me with this movie, you know, it wasn't Estevez or anything like that, uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean I, Stanton is great in it, too. and the, He's great in just about everything he's in. Yeah. You know? So they, uh, um, well, go ahead. But uh, I think that... I kind of missed this movie. I I rem- when I started watching it the other day, I think I had told you that I hadn't seen it. When I started watching it the other day, I know I had seen I know I have seen parts of it. Right. Um there's uh, a kind of a strange side uh science fiction kind of a, a angle mm-hmm. and I remembered that a little bit, but I don't think I ever watched it all the way through. And beca- but but I think again, one of the reasons probably that I didn't was like with this, I have you telling me, hey, this and that, and I can get on the internet and see, okay, uh, this isn't just a fucking stupid movie. Uh, there's, you know, you know, look for certain things, and this guy made, right. you know, uh, some a lot of political statements and stuff like that. It makes it so much more interesting on face value of just it, it, um, of, of if I didn't know any of that and I started watching it, that's probably why I didn't watch the whole thing. I probably turned it off because I probably saw a glowing car or something like that and was like, <laughs> what the fuck, this stupid shit. So I didn't give it a chance. Um, the other guy that um, there's a, uh, Tracy Walter, he's kind of a, a, a weird little dude that works at the repo thing right. and he moves the trash and shit. That guy in uh, most movies he's in is usually really, really good too. Now on the, on the, uh, the, I'm sitting here looking at it on the the cover, the box art, the chick with the like M16 or AR15 or whatever. Uh, I know that that's supposed to be the one girl in the movie, but it doesn't even look like any girl in the movie. It looks like uh, the girl from the nest, you know. It looks kind of like Rosario Dawson a little bit. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, there's there's a lot of funny characters in this, and like, you know, let's go do some crimes. <laughs> Come on, let's get out of here. Let's go do some crimes. Yeah, let's uh, we're gonna let's go get sushi and not pay. That was the that was the yeah. response for that. There's there a, there are lots of good quotes in it. The um, it's it's a lot of uh, whereas say like we were talking about the Ramones, uh, you get these guys that are like um, kind of live in shitty neighborhoods and you know down and out and everything. The, the, to me, it seemed like and this this may be just me because I, I when you were saying about the res, resurgence of you know punk out out in California and stuff like that, you know most of this punk stuff that I know is like Iggy Pop and the Ramones and stuff and, and, yeah. and groups like that. The early early days of of punk, um, but when it went out like uh, Henry Rollins, I mean I I remember Henry Rollins. Um, you know, with the the song "Liar" and mm-hmm. and uh, and his stuff with the Rollins band, but you know uh, the the you know like Black Flag and stuff like that. I I I never listened to any of that, so I didn't know anything. But to me, it's like Estevez. He even tells the the one guy this, but he's the same way. He's like, you know. Oh, give me a fucking break! You know, you're not some kid who lived in the slums. You're a fucking you know kid from the suburbs. Yeah, that was yeah. the that's a, a good a good quote in it. When 
a, a friend of his is dying basically and it's a really like melodramatic scene done on and totally done intentionally but it mm-hmm. kind of sums up kind of this is the the hint i guess that, that he pokes fun at punk culture too because yeah well it's like what's your teen angst yeah that fucking uh your mom and dad uh you know uh bought you a fucking uh a, a caval a chevy cavalier instead of a corvette you know give me a break <laughs> yeah so it, it's otto's auto his, his friends are kind of a a side story in the movie but they 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 rob convenience stores and stuff and he gets shot and his friends like the, the lights are growing dim otto I know a life of crime has led me to this sorry fate, and yet I blame society. Society made me what I am. And Otto's yeah. like, that's bullshit. You're a white suburban punk just like me. And the guy's like, yeah, but it still hurts. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was a great line. So but, uh, I, I, um, I liked the, the whole, just the whole concept of the repo man, how they, they kind of like, built themselves up like they were almost like this this outlaw group of ass kickers yeah. you know that were they were off the grid outside of society's rules and everything it's, it, it, like, kind of, you know, it kind of parallels them he, he it's like Otto kind of sees a yeah. punk rock culture in there because they're yeah. kind of like they're fighting against the other man like there's this like rival repo man group these two hispanic guys that drive around in a pretty nice plymouth i think it's a plymouth um and uh, I, I love when Harry Dean Stanton's driving around with him, like teaching him. It's like he's a Zen master. He's yeah, like, telling him like the ways of the uh, of the Repo Man. And and Alex Cox actually had said that um, I, he worked as a Repo Man, I think. Before did he? he did. And that he, this was a little bit autobiographical, that kind of stuff there. Um, well, it's funny because like it, it, even um, in the other movie, um, the, you know, the Man of the Year, where like I said, he goes to work at the pet store, and the old sage is telling telling <laughs> yeah. the young punk, you know, said, "Listen, you know, hey, I've been through this. I've had all the hot young pussy in the world, but you know, once you get them, they're gonna get fat and get married and nag you and you know, <laughs> buck, buck the show. it's the same way here, where you you know, almost like a, a young kid uh, who's you know, pissed off at the world and everything. And here's this guy that's been through it and everything. And he's telling him, you know, dude, okay. You know, you don't know, you don't know jack shit. You're only fucking 16 or 20 years old. You don't know shit. You're, you're pissed off. What the hell do you got to be pissed off about? You know, but I love the fact that, that they take this up and I've worked several jobs where you, you go in and you're the new guy, you're the rookie or whatever. And these guys are like, like you said, like the old sage or the Zen master, or the guru yeah. of, of uh, selling insurance or putting groceries away or working in a warehouse. And, and, you know, you sit there and listen to them and they know it's, you're, you're like at their feet listening to <laughs> oh, all yeah. these. If you're going to do, if you see the boss coming and you're falling asleep, you know, do sleep up here and make a Ford out of the boxes or something. Actually, but, the, uh, the, I had one of those guys, I worked at a grocery store. And uh, the, one of the guys that worked in the back, he called himself a, a bag boy ninja, and he wore a flower <laughs> on his name tag. And um, he was one of the only ones old enough to operate the box crusher, because only you had to be 18 <laughs> to operate the box crusher. So we all looked up to him for that. But he's the guy that int- actually he introduced me to a lot. I, w- I started there when I was 15, and he introduced me to a lot of the punk rock music and stuff at the time, like misfits and all that kind of stuff. But well, we would always go to him with like, he'd show us like the new way to do things. Like, Oh, you got it. Like we would steal old, see, we weren't allowed to eat old potato chips. So they would yeah. throw them away once they, once they dated, but he would show us like the best hiding places. Uh-huh. So you could like take the bags that you're supposed to throw in the dumpster and just hide them around in the back stock room. 
and then you can go and get them and eat them on your break. Well, it, it's it's just a, a thing, you know, I've done it myself where like even whether it's my dad or whoever or somebody I work with, when you're the younger guy, a lot of times right at first you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, well, you know, what the, uh, somebody gives you advice that would probably keep you from making the same mistakes and getting yeah. in trouble. You're like, that's just an asshole now. And then once <laughs> you reach that age, you're like, yeah, I should have listened to that because I don't know shit. You know, I didn't know shit then. That's kind of a, a, a theme between the two things there, two sure. movies too. Now the the um the um the chick in the movie, <laughs> one part that I liked, and I guess this was maybe a little slam at uh at maybe the Reagan administration or even you know today, is uh where they are um there's a there's a vehicle. It's like the ultimate vehicle. You know, they're going out and getting these vehicles, and then they get a commission or whatever. It's almost mm-hmm. like a bounty, like a bounty hunter, yeah. on, on on repossessing these vehicles. And there's one that has like a twenty thousand dollar, you know, thing on it. If if you find this vehicle, though, you you know, your reward will be twenty thousand dollars. So then everybody's trying to get this great vehicle. Well, uh, auto kind of you know a, a lot of people fall into it. You know, it's just part of the part of the running thing of the movie where somebody will just stumble across it, get it, and then somebody will take it away from them right. somehow, one way or another. And uh, but one part where um, um, Otto had had the car and it slipped through his fingers or whatever, well, the, this government agency that's looking for it uh, is torturing him. And the best part <laughs> is is that his girlfriend is actually like up there and turning the knob and torturing him. And then in one part, she's like, you know, Otto, what about me? And he's like, fuck off or whatever. And she's like, God damn it. I, I, I'm, I'm now I'm not sorry that I tortured you. <laughs> he didn't even know it, but like, I, I loved his attitude where yeah. it's just like, you know, fuck off. Fuck you. Lots of F bombs that are very well placed in this. Um, oh, <laughs> the, uh, there's a great, there's a great quote again from, Harry Dean Stanton. So, so Harry Dean Stanton. I like you know as he's teaching him, he's telling him he needs to wear a suit. He needs to dress like a detective. That way, people you know yeah. take you seriously. And I like the the difference with uh, the Cy, Cy Richardson's character teaching him. And he's more of like uh, the cool black man role yeah. where he's he's like, no, I don't dress like a cop because nobody you know nobody believes it. So I dress like normal. So I scare people. Uh, <laughs> he scares people because no one will be- believe that a black guy's a cop. Um, you know, he carries a gun and like Harry Dean Stanton says he's never breaking into cars and he never force starts cars. And that's exactly what Cy Richardson does. Yeah, he does the exact opposite. But in in the while they're riding around once, I love this part when um, when Otto and uh, Otto and um, what was uh, Harry Dean Stanton's name? Bud. Um, yeah. Otto and Bud are talking and, they, you know, they bring up something about being a commie and Otto's like, I ain't no commie. And he's like. <laughs> Harrodine <laughs> Stanton says, "Well, you better not be. I don't want no commies in my car." And then he pauses for a second, like, "And no Christians either." Yeah, no Christians either. <laughs> when, when he said something about, you know, if you if you don't like it, uh, you, you I gotta pay for this. I gotta pay for that. I gotta pay for my insurance. I gotta pay for this. Pay for that. And, everything. and uh, he get and Otto says something. And he goes, "Well, maybe you ought to go over and fucking live in Russia." And he goes, "Well, everything's. You don't have to pay for anything in Russia." <laughs> what do you mean? Everything over there is free. Oh bullshit! You're yeah, a commie. That, that got you? into the commie thing with the uh, you know no Christians either. Uh, <laughs> that's that's another thing that ran through uh, that, that went uh, through both movies. There was one part in uh, the the you know the man of the year where I actually took a note and I wrote down 
<laughs> fucking kill the priest, you know, <laughs> because that, that it seemed like uh, when religion got involved in that movie too, things kind of started going yeah. shitty for the guy, yeah. you know. And there's a, there's another funny like poke at the eighty stuff when they everybody talk, every, all these people keep talking about this book called Diuretics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is supposed to you know supposed to be Dianetics, obviously, but everybody's you know it's like I remember, honest study. to God, as a kid. Uh, say in my, when I was a teenager in high school or whatever, I'd see these commercials and it would say Dianetics by L. Ron, by Hubbard. L. Sure Ron the... Hubbard. But you didn't know what it was. Oh, it had They'd the volcano this... and everything. Yeah, and I was like, what is this? Is this like a science fiction book or whatever? Yeah. And and I never <laughs> knew what it was until all of a sudden, you know, the Scientology stuff started. Be, what what it was about became you know came out in the open. But for years and years and years, it's like these these drug companies now, where you see these commercials and. They they show a girl a woman running and she looks healthy and happy and everything and then they talk about this drug and then they they say you know ask your doctor about this nobody knows what the drug is even for except then it tells you it can cause you know hemorrhaging or you know <laughs> severe leg breaks anal and, leakage you know, anal leakage and stuff but this was the same thing Dianetics by L Ron Hubbard and you're like well, I wonder you know that was the obviously the marketing scheme because it didn't tell you anything to have people seek out the book to find out what it was or to join up. But um, anyway, L. Ron Hubbard. Tom Cruise loved this movie. <laughs> That's the, uh, and the, you know, the, I'm not going to add too much more. The, um, I could just see, well, the, I love that there's some the very chaotic moment at the end with a lot of people running around and there's a science guy like explaining what's going on. And then there's this other guy talking about diuretics and another <laughs> guy talking about loving his job. And just, it, it's, it's a really well done scene. I mean, cause it, it being a chaotic scene, I, I like that everybody's kind of talking over each other about totally unrelated things as this Chevy Malibu's like, you know, this it's the total climax, I guess climax of the film It's really bizarre, but, um, how about the guy that that uh, the the uh, scientist that just drove around? He creeped me out. He was just so fucking weird that drove the car all the time. And yeah, the, well, had he had a lobotomy. So he, yeah, I, he'd had a lobotomy, and he only had one lens in his sunglasses. And he talked yeah, it's about like another like, Ramones thing. His, I'm his, a teenage lobotomy. Yeah. He talked about his uh, his um, brain like finally being separated, like the lobes don't interfere with each other now, or something. And um, the, uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I was just thinking about that the other day because, of course, I was doing internet stalking of some of my ex-girlfriends just to see if they were online <laughs> and shit. And then, of course, then, like, you know, one thing that the samurai from Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema said that has stuck with me forever is, like, you know, he said, you know, that not not as far as movies go. I, it wasn't nostalgia. Mm -hmm. I was sort of like he was talking about nostalgia or feeling nostalgic for, like, the past. like. Right girls that you went out with or or times that you know you, you thought oh man that was so great and everything and he said you know he goes I, I i'm like that about you know a lot of things but he said you know i don't uh, it's not good to to sit there and dwell on shit like that and that's one thing i was thinking when the guy said he had a lobotomy i've always thought about eternal sunshine of the spotless mind or whatever mm -hmm. and uh, you know okay if you could wipe out these memories would you do it and i think that was kind of like the lobotomy thing right. with joey ramone or or whatever you know i'm oh, just gonna get a fucking lobotomy me and then I can deal with all this shit in the world. Yeah. Because if you actually can think it, even now, there's times where whether it's work or personal life or whatever, and uh, it's like it's like you said, almost like that punk rock attitude where you're like, Jesus Christ, the world is so fucked up, and everything is just so shitty, and just you have to eat so much shit. Just fucking take an ice pick, run it through the corner of my eye, and scramble that front frontal lobe so I can fucking just <laughs> be oblivious and deal with this crap. 
<laughs> motherfucker. So I, I was looking it up. It, it, it was Universal, up. I think, that had this uh, that put this movie out first. That's who also did uh, Streets of Fire. Um, and as a final like fuck you, I think uh, the as the as the movie's ending, um, the, Alex Cox has the credits rolling. Yeah, from reversed. the top to the bottom. I could totally, <laughs> in that, I could, like, it's a total, like, total, like, uh, you know, thumb up your nose kind of thing. But like, I think, uh, the, I could it's see a, convention. Yeah, you know, this uptight producer getting totally annoyed by that. Like, oh, well, we really need to have him going up, you know. And I, I think that would be, I, I thought I could see that as, uh, getting on somebody's nerves. I was surprised, though, that, but, uh, when, when, uh, like I said at first, uh, I'm not. <laughs> You know, of course, like hey, Scorsese or somebody like that. Score, yeah, um, okay. You know, I know guys like that, but there's a lot of times where people will mention names, especially in our in our circle, where they'll say, "Hey, you know, great. Uh, what about Greg Taylor or whatever?" And you're like, "Who the fuck was that? Oh, he played the additional blonde agent in Repo Man." You know, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> um, there's a lot of people like that. I don't know because they're not household names. But at first, I think I told you, you know, hey, I don't think I've ever seen anything with Alex Cox. And I had. I saw Walker and, I, and of course, Sid and Nancy. Yeah. Uh, but he kind of, I guess, maybe by choice, fell off the planet Earth uh, as far as Hollywood goes. I think, he, Wal- I think what uh, happened, Walker seemed, was a kind of a, a bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, it was a bomb, definitely. Yeah, and they—I've uh, never seen it, but I heard it. It's, it seems it seems interesting, but it's—it is interesting, but um, it was there was no way it, it, that it was ever going to. I don't know how much it cost, mm-hmm. but um, it, I remember—I don't ever remember it being ever in the theaters. I think it when it came out, it uh, if it it might have been one that had like very limited release and it got shit canned and panned big time. So. Um, See, but, I, th- but, I think after that, I think he kind of did a self-imposed exile from Hollywood, and and that's when he was making movies in Mexico, like like uh, in the you know late '80s, early '90s, like uh, the um, fucking shit, the Highway Patrolman movie. God, my brain is just just a doing my time on the Highway Patrol. Yeah, the, the Highway but Patrol. But Sid Nancy movie. was a was a very big movie for him. Yeah, I mean, that introduced yeah. us to Gary Oldman. That was one of the first things I ever saw him in. You know. And I kind of wonder if he was already planning this movie or something. There was a guy at the beginning with a Sid Vicious T-shirt on and said, "I did it my way." And you know, that's like an iconic scene from Sid and Nancy. Is the maybe this was like his last "fuck you" to Hollywood before he said, "Okay, I'm sick of this shit." I, I, well, I mean, he, this is one of it. This is his first major studio movie. So I mean, oh, this was the first one. Repo Man, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, did you have anything else to add? Uh no. <laughs> um, what did you think of the broad? Was she hot? hot which one, which one? There was two. I, I liked. I liked his first girlfriend, the one that ended up with a mohawk. Um, yeah, the other chick. I, she was. Hey, she was quirky. It's too late for us to get back together. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> yeah. Um. Now the the, the one uh, the the little reporter girl. Oh the the reporter girl. Yeah. Wait, who was the reporter girl? There was the girlfriend. There was the Fox girl that worked in the museum. And no, then there but, was the scientist. Yeah, the, well, it's the girl that worked in the museum. I thought she was almost like a reporter. She was, um, she was trying to find out about the, the car, and then she said that he goes, "Well, what are you going to do? Go on like twenty twenty with us?" Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, she had the picture of the, of the yeah, the uh, that, yeah. I, I mean, she was interesting. I like. I, I thought she was funny. I liked how quirky she was. Like she, uh, I liked that she when, did him in the car. <laughs> yeah, when when she was like like fuck off, and then she's like, "You want to go back in the car?" <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, you know, and another thing, uh, 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 kind of uh, going back to our previous episodes, where I, whereas I hate Burt Reynolds' <laughs> laugh, I like uh, Emilio Estevez. I don't know if it's a fake laugh or if it's a real laugh, but he's kind of got this. Uh, I, I can't even think of how to do it, but he's like, <laughs> you know, like uh, this, this kind of almost like gut bursting laugh that he does all the time, but it seems so much more sincere than ha ha ha. I hate that fucking skinny little douche. <laughs> oh, I, I, when he got old, I mean, he turned into a dick. But from what Marlon Brando said, he was kind of a dick to leave when he was young. So. Yeah. Anyway, but Emilio Estevez, the uh, 80s um, uh, Burt Reynolds, um, this uh, I like the black shoes and the white socks because anytime somebody says somebody dressing like a cop, even if you watch like Ford Apache the Bronx with uh, Ken Wall and uh, Paul Newman, they always had the the if you if you wore dark pants, black shoes and white socks, you just look like such a fucking you know rednecks, (laughs) white socks and blue ribbon beer. We're musical on this show. Fuck yourself, (laughs) people. If you don't like it, send feedback. Go screw and send feedback. Um, uh, there's a lot of people in this that I, I. There were some that I recognized, but there was a lot of uh, people that I even looking at the IMDb. I have no idea who the fuck they are. Mm-hmm. Don't know if they ever did anything else. Now, was it Vonetta? Or, the uh, Vonetta McGee. She was in the Iger Sanction. She was. Um, oh shit! In the movie, she was. Uh, the one that worked in the uh, repo office, oh, yeah. and like stomped the shit out of that guy, which <laughs> I thought was pretty. The the uh, the the one cop guy, he was in uh, Prince of the City, and he was always just hanging around the repo thing with his shirt like unbuttoned, almost down to his belly button. He was sitting there knitting, you know. Right, <laughs> like, right. Alexis cops sitting there knitting, and then uh, he kind of <laughs> he's like, "Hey, you're a cop. Do something about this," you know. But the, um, it, I, I liked it. I thought it was a. Uh, a uh, a pretty good movie, um, like I said, on face value. If you didn't know, like the the uh, a lot of the uh, little jabs and little fuck you things that he put in there, that makes it ten times more interesting. Yeah. But without that, I was you know I I I think if I had to rate it. I hate to say it, but I think I was like like a six point five. Mm-hmm. I, I know that sound probably sounds low, but it was it was interesting with all that stuff, knowing that stuff and looking for it. But ultimately, I did I I, I wasn't that uh, like with the fucking science fiction goofy stuff yeah. and stuff like that. I was like, what the fuck, you know? I mean, <laughs> I, I, that was so out there. It just kind of was like. Eh. Yeah, I I think that's in there for a reason too. I think that's a, uh, a you know, uh, the alien space uh, area. about like nuclear war and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And um, and I I uh, I like this a lot more. And I I kind of wonder since you know, if I I grew up with the uh, this kind of this kind of music around this kind of like lifestyle being. I mean, granted, I was a child, but I mean, this is the kind of stuff. This this kind of like uh, mentality that this movie reflects is when I when I became a teenager. That's the group I hung with, and I think right. associating with that makes this movie more interesting. 
Um, well, I, I think that too. I, I think you're definitely right about that because I think, like I said, this came out and I was probably just heading for college, mm-hmm. and I was it was kind of like behind me a little bit. Um, you know, of course, every teen growing up has the teen angst thing where they're like, God, the you know, fucking world is yep. just shit and everything. But I think that I was a little just uh, a little bit past that. Sure. Uh, because even with the music and stuff. Yeah, I listened to the Ramones. But I mean, when God, when I listened to the Ramones, uh, you know, it was in the in the fucking like mid 70s, yeah. you know, um, and I was kind of at the age. Well, I mean, you know, if I was if I was uh, you know, 13 years old or something like that, uh when they were I wouldn't say really big cuz they were never I mean their their influence was was big, but they weren't like huge in the United States. They were very hugely influential, but unless like with the Ramones, unless they were in Argentina or someplace like that, that's where they were huge. Yeah. Or in you know, but over here they were on Sean on and shit like that, but that's <laughs> that's what I was listening to. And uh, um but um like I said, I, I don't. A lot of the music that was played in this, I you know, I didn't listen to it even back then. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I miss. I think I missed that. That uh, I think it was just a little uh, after I uh, my time at, where I was influenced by that stuff. Totally understandable, and it's, and I think this uh, because this movie spoke to me a little better. Um, I, I'd actually, I, I, I like it a lot and I, I liked it better the second time I saw it. I'd give it a, an eight out of 10. Yeah. Uh, I like the, the wackiness of certain parts of it. I love the one liners throughout the whole movie and Cyrus. See, I would think in, in this movie, like if, if this movie existed in real life, that I would be the Harry Dean Stanton guy and you would be the <laughs> auto guy more than likely. Like, you know, and I'd be like, dude, seriously, you know, this is going <laughs> to suck. So, you know, whatever. But, yeah. um, I th- I do think it's good, and I think that um, it's kind of a uh, I I'm more interested in I think I'm more interested in the filmmaker and the stuff that he was sure. doing and saying than I was in the movie. No, and that's totally fair. So um, I'd love to see a documentary by this guy talking about his his actual career, the movies I, he made, and this time in this movie. I'm actually I've actually ordered a, his book from really? Amazon called. Uh, Ex filmmaker or something like that, or um, I have to look up the name of it. It's um, that movie he, Walker. I mean, I'd like to hear him talk about that because there was some crazy ass shit in there. I mean, it's supposed to take place in like the 1800s in Nicaragua. Like I said, he's leading these mercenaries to take over the entire country, which is so impoverished. It's like Che Guevara going to, you know, um, uh, oh fuck Bolivia or whatever, and right. saying take over Bolivia, and he goes there and nobody gives a shit because they're all just poor farmers it was sort of the same thing but here's here's ed harris you know walker and they're going through this really super duper poor country and you look and there's a guy reading time magazine and it's supposed to be in the 1800s (laughs) and then there's parts where like there's helicopters and stuff and it's like but that's the parallel because of what happened then like him going down there doing that and reagan and his sending you know these people down and basically right. taking over that he was paralleling it and i think people were like what the fuck what's going on here so if some of them didn't get it and some of them thought it was too weird but i like the 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 uh if you say check out the big brain on this guy check out the big brain on alex cox because he took a lot of chances and did some 
different and kind of really mind stimulating kind of thing. So I think he's an interesting guy. I'll uh, have to check that book out. Yeah, it's too. called it's called X Films: True Confessions of a Radical Filmmaker. Um, he's also written another book called Ten Thousand Ways to Die. It's kind of a retrospective on spaghetti mm-hmm. western. So um, apparently, he's kind of the he's. I, 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 it's weird too because. I don't know if he just knows a lot about spaghetti westerns, but he I have the new Blu-ray of Once Upon a Time in the West, and he is one of the people on the commentary. Huh. Um, so apparently he's got this encyclopedic knowledge of spaghetti westerns and maybe just film in general, but he's very anti-establishment, anti-kind like kind of like fuck you Hollywood kind of guy. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it for us. Uh, 6.5 and an 8. Check it out, if uh, especially if you're interested in the, the culture and music of the, you know, hardcore scene in mid 80s in california so it's kind of has that jaw that that vibe going on so uh we'll come back and uh, we're gonna take another break we'll come back and do a little bit of feedback and wrap things up let's we'll be back crom i have never prayed to you before i have no time for it no one not even you will remember if we were good podcasters or bad why we recorded, or why we voicemailed. All that matters is Metal Mikey stood against many. That's what's important. Valor pleases you, Krom. So grant me one request. Grant me action attraction. And if you do not listen, then to hell with you. Action Attraction, the action movie review podcast. You can find Action Attraction through MetalMikey.Lipson.com or at www.pennycult.com, or by searching for Action Attraction in iTunes. In a sluggish economy, inflation recession hits the land of the free. Standing unemployment lines, Blame the government for hard times. We just get by however we can. We all got a duck when the shit hits the fan. Ten kids in a Cadillac stand in line for welfare checks. Let's all reach off the state. Gee. The money is really great. We just get by however we can. We all got a duck when the shit hits the fan. All right. We're back again. A little bit of feedback this week for you. That was the Circle Jerks. That actually, they played that song in the movie, in the Repo Man. Um, mm-hmm. On the stage when he says, "I used to love these guys." I used to love Circle Jerks. <laughs> Giggity goo! It smells like farts in here. Let's do some feedback. <laughs> All right. So, oh man, it does stink in here now. I'm sorry. No, it's not me. I don't know what it is. Sure, that's what they all say. I think it's. I think it's the dog. Ooh, Blame no, no, no. All right. Blame it on the dog. Blame it on the rain. You got to blame it on something. Blame it on the rain. Didn't we that talk about Millie Vanilli a couple weeks ago? Oh, I love Millie Vanilli. Didn't we talk you know about something? A weeks ago? Yeah, we did. But I, I okay. Now this is a question. This is a um, 
I don't know if I would say it's a, a philosophical. I don't know what kind of question it is. I don't know. I don't even remember the question now. But no. Um, <laughs> okay. Millie Vanilli was a huge success. Yeah. Okay. And they won a bunch of Grammys. Okay. They literally did for songs and best songwriting, whatever, this and that. Okay. Now, it was proven that the guys that were up on stage performing, dancing, you know, and everything with the, the dreads and everything, that they weren't the ones singing. Mm-hmm. But this is how screwed up the world is. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> music is about music. It's about songs and songwriting. So in essence, the people that loved those songs loved those songs. They liked the lyrics were catchy. They liked the, 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 the people's voices and how it was arranged and the music that accompanied it and everything. So in my opinion, those Grammys should have went to the actual group that performed the songs. The whole thing about them, oh, they're fucking, that's not you know them, that's a bunch of bullshit and everything. Who fucking cares? That's not that's music video bullshit. That's not yeah. about music. Well, yeah, they they didn't want the 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 and the, the Grammys are you know right. a fucking it's joke. They're shit. they're kind of like you know they they don't necess- they don't ever reward like well I can't say ever which they 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 reward some good music sometimes but for the most part it's what sells and they're right. they're rewarding record industries with the record industry like you know, different companies with what has made them the most money and this is uh th- this is just an example because when people found out that it wasn't the dudes with the giant shoulder pads and the biker right. shorts and stuff and the long dreadlocks, they, when they found out that wasn't them, but it was just some generic looking d- dudes like these fat guys or whatever mm-hmm. singing their songs, they could give a fuck. And that, that's when their record, that's when their sales would essentially right. stop. And that's the ad- indictment of society. That whole thing right there sh- really says something about our fucking society because it's like people like Mama Cass Elliot or Joe Cocker or, or, you know, you even look at like a uh, fucking country music guy like George Jones or Willie Nelson or somebody like that, they would never go over today because they wouldn't get a chance because they don't fit that aesthetic, the Justin Timberlake or one of, you know, shit like that. Or, you know, but it's really ridiculous because it's, uh, you know, you're, you're talking, I mean, I know it's pop culture and everything, but music is about music. It, 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 the guy could weigh 400 pounds when we went to Las Vegas there's a guy uh, like a Big Elvis mm-hmm. he's an Elvis impersonator that works at one of the casinos but his shows are completely free but my god the guy sounds just like Elvis he does all his songs he's fantastic but he probably weighs about 350 400 pounds right. he even wears the elvis suits and everything and it's funny because he gets up and moves around and shit does does you know some of the elvis moves and everything but i mean the guy can sing so what's the deal uh. Uh. i do i do like some justin timberlake sorry I fucking hate him. <laughs> I honest to God, he's another one that I feel like is like forced down people's throats. I'm bringing sexy back. Yeah, if you like, a, if if sexy means a uh, human Q-tip that has the highest voice on the planet Earth, <laughs> that's real manly. I saw him one time on one of these shows where like a paparazzi was taking pictures of him, and he was trying to pretend like he was a tough guy, and he was like, "Get that out of my face!" And I'm I like, like it. I like oh him. I like yeah, that he like, does all those skits on Saturday Night uh, Live. And fuck him. <laughs> he, you know what he reminds me of? He's like J Lo. It's just like in your face. Bam, 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 bam. It's like, goddamn, motherfucker. I mean, you know, uh, 
I don't know, maybe I rebel against him and her or whatever just because of that, but the PR machines and shit, I'm like, oh, you're a product of the PR <laughs> shit. And, and and those pictures that they were putting out here recently where it would have a picture of like Marilyn Monroe and then some anorexic supermodel from today. You know, put one up of Robert Mitchum and then put slash the, the other side of it should be Justin Timberlake. Lohan did, uh, did some Marilyn Monroe shots. Yeah, I saw those. But those, she was nice and uh, beefy in those. She had, she had big boobs. She's got big boobs for a little, uh, little chick, but she's... Uh, Fucking turning crackhead, man. She's yeah, getting the she's Charlie a, Sheen kind of rotten teeth and stuff. Um, anyway, I hate to got... slam, you know, the, but there's just certain people that rub you the wrong way. He might be the nicest guy in the world. It's like Mike, Mark Wahlberg, but they, there's just something about him that just rubs <laughs> me the fucking wrong way. All right, so I guess we should start on our feedback, huh? Uh, Fuck you, you're wrong. Motherfucker. We, uh, we, I, I missed an email from Maurice last week. You heard his promo earlier for his new, uh, his new podcast. Um, you said you're going to be on it, correct? Ja. We're ja. going to be doing uh, Quadrophenia, uh, both the album and hopefully the movie, if, we can, uh, if I can get a hold of it so I can watch it. Uh, next month, sometime in November, we got Horror Hound coming up, and I told him I would check my schedule, see what we can do. Cool. He's uh, uh, from the land down under, so it works out pretty well for – for me, uh, with my schedule, you guys are awake at the exact same time. So. We are. That's why Terry and I, you know, uh, get together on uh, the fantastic Paleo Cinema podcast. Uh, because when I get home, uh, you know, it's in the evening, and he's ready to do some podcasting. So we're gonna do some podcasting. I'm big in Australia. I'm big here too. You should see me. I don't have my shirt on. I don't either. That's funny. Um, so yeah, the pants uh, this week though. Maurice sent us an email a couple weeks ago. Um, we're changing some promos, so hopefully he's going to play ours because nobody else has. Um, you motherfuckers! You motherfuckers! You sons of. Uh, he said, okay, so he also said, um, he said another. Anybody. What's that? We don't need anybody. We don't need them. We're going to fucking reach 100 listeners without their help. I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. So, uh, another great episode with Tetsuo and Rubber's Lover. Have you seen any films from Shion Sono? Uh, Recently, I watched his film Love Exposure. No cyberpunkisms or metal fetishisms, but it has just about everything else. It's a cult mind-twisting, panty-photo-taking, martial arts, blood-splattered love story. Sort of like Romeo and Juliet. I remember the panties from Romeo and Juliet. I like panty. (laughs) Wait a minute. Go ahead. It's a four-hour film, and I don't think it ever dragged. I'd I'd, I'd be keen to know your thoughts. Also, I enjoyed uh, hearing you, Zom, on Paleo Cinema. I want to check out Two Weeks in Another Town. I enjoy films about filmmaking. The Making of and God Spoke is one of my favorites, and it's sort of a Christopher Guest-style mockumentary about all that goes on wrong in the set of making a film about the Bible. Maybe that'd be a good thematic show for Silva and Gold, films about films. I love Eight and a Half. Uh, Yeah, we need to do one uh, about religion, too. Yeah, yes. We do. I'm not even kidding. We do the George Burns movie, Oh God, (laughs) whatever the name of that one is. Um, anyway, speak again soon. Cheers, Maurice. John Denver was in that. Yes, he was. John Denver. Thank God, I'm a country boy. He's yeah. Also that was oh. going to be our theme song. Was um, um, thank God I'm a country boy. But then we said fuck that shit. We we wanted some P.S. Michael Hayes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thanks, Maurice from uh, I Love That Album Check out. I love show. that album. I love that album. Uh, he did. Um, some little Bruce Springsteen on the first episode, and uh, I think Darkness on the Edge of Town, and uh, the he did uh, the Knack 
Um, so uh, he he uh, and I are uh, around the same age, so we like the same kind of music. And, uh, you know, it's going to be cool. Uh, we were trying to think of something to do, and I I uh, just happened to mention that uh, The Who is one of my favorite uh, bands. He goes, that's the Quadrophania, except he said it with an Australian accent. I know. God, I wish I had a fucking accent that wasn't just, like, southern. Yeah, but you know what? The thing is this, is, um, like, with girls that have, like, um, Australian accents, there's this one that's really, really super hot that I talk to all the time online. has a really... You know, Rachel on film. Anyway, uh, <laughs> if if you have the same accent, then you probably wouldn't. It wouldn't mean anything. I know, I know, and, and I, I've actually, I actually had an Australian friend who said that women down there seem to like Americans with Southern accents. So who knows? But I don't even feel like I have a Southern accent. You do, and I do too. But I mean, it's not like I, there's worse. I, don't I mean, you do either. I mean, you don't even sound like because I've went to like North North Carolina or South Carolina, and you know, be like. Uh, the, I remember when we were little kids, this woman was, uh, buying, uh, like, uh, uh, some gum from the little gum machine at the front of the, um, grocery store. And she, or she gave her little kid a thing and she came back and said, mom, this bubble gum so big, I hardly fit in my mouth. <laughs> and then you a, you the, see a lot of that here with the state fairs in town yeah, now. That is a you fucking. You get down south, even further south and it's like slower, you know. Yeah. There's, the a, lot of, there's a lot of mush mouth guys around here, but, you know. Now I, Kentucky. Fuck the oh my god! Fucking hillbillies, hill fucking billies. But you know what? I'm closer. Actually, I'll be honest with you. I'm closer to Pennsylvania. Um, I'm like almost on the border of Pennsylvania. And then where I grew up was right on the right. I could walk in five minutes into Ohio, and and like right now, you know, uh, it's like you know, ten fifteen miles up the road. I'm in Pennsylvania, so maybe that's why because I'm more in the northern part. Yeah. Of, the, of the state. And I, and I, you know, I mean, I, I, half of my family's from West Virginia. So, I mean, sorry, West Virginia. Well, half of huh. my family's from New Jersey. So, I have that weird mix there. So, oh my God. <sighs> anyway, uh, we got another one from Winston, also from West Virginia. That's what I was looking at when I just said West Virginia. Almost heaven. Said, uh, hello, Zom. Hello, Loaf. Last time I wrote in, I forgot to mention how much I enjoy the wrestling talk. I haven't watched wrestling since the 80s when I was a pup, but your banter makes me nostalgic. We didn't talk about wrestling this week, did we? Or, uh, no, we did. We talked about independent wrestling. You watched the documentary. Yeah, I watched the documentary. He said, I'd rather jack off a rattlesnake than watch the shit they try to pass off as wrestling today. You were talking about... <laughs> jack off a rattlesnake for nothing. You were talking... Oh, man, fucking when he punched the rattlesnake. Can you imagine then, uh, jacking off a rattlesnake? It would be like a giant cock. Like a big... Especially if it was a big, fat actually, rattlesnake. Actually, snakes have like a forked penis. It's pretty crazy. Fuck me, Ryan. <laughs> said, you were talking about how strange Ron Perlman looks, and it made me think of the movie Quest for Fire. Have mm-hmm. you guys seen it? I saw Daryl Hannah get naked and get doggy fucked in uh, Quest for Fire. It's about three good. cavemen on a surprise. I don't know. That might not have been Daryl Hannah. might have been Zoe Bell. Of the three main homo erecti, I think Ron Perlman was the only one who didn't require makeup. It was his first full-length feature, and I can only believe he was cast because he looks like a goddamn modern-day caveman. Good shit, nonetheless. You guys are still rocking the podcast stage, and I salute you. Uh, and now with a quick shit-breath story. When my wife was giving birth to my daughter about six years ago, she was planning to have an epidural during the labor to ease the pain. The anesthesiologist was busy with an emergency surgery, and by the time he got there, my wife was too dilated to be able to get an epidural shot in the spine. So he pulls up a chair next to her, holds her hand, and starts this new this new age relaxation hypnotism bullshit that lasts a couple minutes. He gets done and asks her if it helped relieve her pain. She said, She said no. He said, okay, we'll start again from the top. 
My wife blurts out, save it, man. Your breath smells like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I lost it and giggled like a bitch. The anesthesiologist left quickly in what I hope was a fit of embarrassment. I can only, I can only admire my old lady for not tolerating some shit breath in an already painful moment. God bless her. Later, turd tappers, Winston and West Virginia. Well, you know something, Daddy-O? <laughs> As I sit back and listen to Winston from Beckley, West Virginia, talking about movies and shit breath and stuff like that, it makes me nostalgic for the great days of Mick Foley <laughs> in the deathmatch tournaments against Tiff Funk and Leatherface, baby. Leatherface was one of the most fucking ridiculous wrestlers. Do you know who that was? Was that anybody famous or Kirshner was uh Was that Corporal was, Kirshner? Yeah, he was one of the leather faces <sighs> and then he became super leather and they had another leather face which was a guy from Canada. I, I love that was that was a tape I wore out too. I had the the ninety four King of the Deathmatch. I fucking wore that IWA Deathmatch yep, thingy. Yep. Um yeah, I liked it. I liked the uh, uh, those were pretty good. Then they started getting almost. Uh, I found a web page that had the entire history of like FMW, and I printed it off. It was like a book. I mean, they talked from the beginning to the end of the company and everything in between with Mike Awesome and um, uh, uh, what's his name uh, Tanaka. Um, Oh geez, my god, my brains. I I don't I haven't watched a lot of wrestling in so long now that and I'm getting like fucking brain dead or something. But um it was really interesting. I wish I could I, I know I have it printed off here somewhere, but my, I'd love to somebody should take all that shit and put it in a book because it, when I was printing it, I was printing it uh, using uh let's just say um <laughs> work resources. <laughs> if I no, I, I wasn't, but if I was, it used a lot of paper. That I didn't pay for. Um, <laughs> one uh, thing that he his um, his uh, feedback reminded me of was a movie that I didn't put on my list, which because I I mean my God I've watched it a million times and everything. So, uh, um, but uh, Children of Men was on the other day and I was watching it and um, the shit breath. Uh, <laughs> Charlie was it Charlie Hun- Hunnam? Uh, who plays on uh, Sons of Anarchy? He was uh, one of the guys that was uh, one of Julianne, Julianne Moore's um, kind of henchmen, and they kidnapped uh, Clive Owen to tell him, you know, hey, we need need your help to get these papers or whatever. And he was a real dick. He had he's you know, of course, white blonde haired guy, and he's got dreads that are real dirty looking, you know, long dreads and everything. But he was a real asshole. And um, they when they kidnapped Clive Owen, they had a, a put, they black bagged him. They put a bag over his head so he couldn't see where they were going. And uh, that uh, uh, Charlie from Sons of Anarchy is sitting there giving him shit. And he and Clive Owen just I mean you can't even see him, but you can see his head turning. And he goes, "Jesus, your breath stinks." And he's like, "No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does." And they just kind of get this little little uh, hissy fit about how bad his breath smells. But uh, that was a good – and a good shit breath, good feedback, uh, good West Virginia good, – good, hey, good West Virginia boy from down the th- – now let me tell you something. I bet that Winston, he's down from the southern part of the state, down close to Kentucky and the, the, uh, the Hatfields and McCoys and all the Jessica White and all that stuff down there. So I guarantee you, baby. The, uh, I, I have a good shit breath story. I used to work with a guy place. whose breath was literally so bad. It would, uh, it would fill up the room when he would leave. Like it, you would have sworn that somebody had come in there and just taken a big dump on the floor. Like I had never smelled breath so bad. And uh, so working with him, he was very like, like kind of controlling. 
like mm-hmm. not controlling. Like he always wanted a hand in what you were doing, so he would sit with you for like forever, and you're just fucking breathing through your mouth, just w- <sighs> hoping it wouldn't go in your nose. And then <sighs> there was this other guy, same place, that would that had shit breath too. It wasn't as bad, but it was bad enough. So, and I actually got this like sandwich between them at one point. So I was in the <laughs> second guy's office, and he was talking. And the breath was literally, he was not really looking at me. He was sitting at a desk. I was standing. And he was talking, and it was bouncing literally off the desk up into my face, I seem like, because it it stank. (laughs) So I kept backing farther and farther away as he's talking. And then all of a sudden, like, the other dude with the really shitty breath walks by, and the guy with the shit breath at the desk talks to, like, says something to him. He's like, he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, referring to him as he walks by. And, of course, you know, my, and he had pointed my, inclination is to turn around and look and see who he's pointing at in which it was shit breath number one (laughs) shit breath number one i did not know was standing right behind me and laughed open mouth like at the joke and whatever the guy said i could feel the hot wind pass over my face uh, it was it was so horrific. I was getting bombarded from both sides. So it the, both of the guys had the worst breath I'd ever smelled. So well, um, <laughs> I uh, I worked with a guy or a person, um, <laughs> and there were several times where we would be you know kind of standing around waiting to go home, and um, I mean two or three different times where I started to say out loud because there's a whole bunch of us standing there. You know, Jesus Christ, who shit? Mm-hmm. But right when it would start to come out of my mouth, it, like somebody farted or something, and uh, uh, you know, and right when it started to come out of my mouth, I'd realize, oh my God, it's that guy's breath. This guy could be standing like three feet away from you, and you could smell his breath. And one time, we were leaving, and we were walking up the steps. He was in front of me, walking up the steps, facing in the opposite direction, walking up steps. And I could smell his fucking breath. Oh. I was like, oh, my fucking God. And I don't know how. I'd see his wife, his girlfriend, and then later his wife. And I was like, how in the fucking hell can she stand that? You know. But I maybe she had breath, too. I don't know. <laughs> what are you going to do, people? I mean, you know, so this world's an imperfect place. I mean, there's, that's why we're all unique. All right. So we got, we got one, uh, one voicemail. And I, I haven't listened to this, so I have no idea who it's from. So here we go. Hey, guys. It's the Cinemascus Justin Arvolter calling in uh, to make a few comments about a couple of films that have been mentioned uh, the past few weeks. First, we'll start with Superman Returns, which Zom brought up. Um, I am one of the people that doesn't like the film. So it's mm-hmm. not because I don't think it's action-packed. I actually enjoyed the emotional Side to it, I just didn't think the action that was there delivered well, and I kind of, I just really wasn't interested that much in the story. I didn't like Kate Bosworth Bos- yeah, as Lois Lane, and though I loved Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor, I'm just getting so sick and tired of him. And I, I'll admit I'm not the biggest Superman fan to begin with, though I did like Brandon Routh in the role. I just didn't think that it was altogether there. A nice attempt, but I don't think it was. Well, I guess worth a wait, I guess you could say. Uh, we'll talk about another Brandon Routh film, and that is Dylan Dog. Four <laughs> people that actually went to see it in theaters. And uh, I'm with them. Um, I didn't hate the film, but I didn't like it either. I, I like Routh in the role, but the film is directionless, in my opinion. It wants, at one point, it wants to be a fun monster movie. The next set doesn't. It, it feels it's a piece of shit. 
just I, I didn't think the laughs were there, and Kurt Angle is a terrible actor. He's a uh. wrestler, terrible actor. He should have never been hired for this. And it's, it doesn't really seem to have good direction. I didn't really like his sidekick that much. I didn't think he added much to the story in terms of outside of some emotional stuff, uh, which didn't really work out that well anyway. So, yeah, I didn't like that film. Uh, and uh, now I'd like to talk about a film. Yes. Which I don't have the music for. Neither do I. It's called Drive. Sorry, I can't play it at the same time as playing this. Brian Gosling, <laughs> Carrie Mulligan, Ron Perlman, Brian Cranston, a bunch of others. I love the film. Uh, I mentioned, I made mention of it note on, I think, both uh, group pages, GGTMC and Sullivan Gold. I absolutely love the film. I gave it, it's probably my favorite film of the year. I I thought the pacing was great, the slow pace. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very tense. I actually, I loved seeing it with a packed crowd, even though mine was, you know, half and half. Half loved it, half hated it, but I think we were all into it. I loved the performances, the direction. I will say I have, I can kind of agree to a degree with some on the violence. It didn't bother me. I don't think it bothered him either, but it, it uh-huh. definitely didn't have to be necessary, Is what, uh, which is why I understand what he was getting at. But, you know, I, I still love the film regardless because of that. So uh, it's probably my favorite film this year, and I really don't see anything topping it. Alrighty, so I'm out, guys. And last but not least, rest in peace, Charles Napier. Yeah, rest in peace, Charles Napier. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that was. Um, I, I wish I could have played the music for him at the same time there, but unfortunately, my music and my voicemail are on the same little device here. So feedbackers are cool. Yeah, especially when they don't talk shit. No Mila Jovovich this week, so. Well, you know, I'm. I, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm excited that she is in the new Three Musketeers movie more than <laughs> I am excited about the movie. Right. Um, I found a, a couple of movies she was in that are like, um, uh, I guess they must be like foreign-made movies mm-hmm. that have come out recently, and I saw some trailers for them, and they, they I like when she plays comedy. Um, she was in a movie. Um, Oh fuck! Well, one of them was with Adrian Brody called Dummy, and she was really funny in that. And she was funny in this other one. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was kind of like a romantic comedy deal. And she was really good in that. And I, I mean, I like her in some of the. You know, she's good in the action stuff, but she's kind of has like a a, a good comic uh, sense of timing. But she's getting old. And I'm just gonna have to, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. I don't like old older women. Uh oh. Well, I don't. I like being friends with them. Well, it's an in-between. It's a tweener thing, okay? Because young ones are still hot, and you look at them. No matter, I'm, I don't give a fuck, people. When you get to be 70 years old, you're going to be looking at a 20-year-old girl and being like, God damn, that fucking girl's hot, and I'd like to bang her. People think that's disgusting, but, I mean, a girl's hot. You have the tweener deal, which some of you know, it's okay. But then you got the MILF thing, mm-hmm. and the MILF thing's good depending because it's like uh, the man of the year deal. Um, some people – oh, my god. <laughs> One of the greatest quotes from that movie, and I, I have expressed this to the people I work with, man or woman. If you're going along and you're dating someone or you're married, and you know they start getting comfortable, so they start kind of letting themselves go. They don't put on the makeup. They don't, they, they, you know, they kind of start dressing like, you know, they don't give a shit, blah, 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 blah. Have a few kids, start looking, you know, not quite as good. And they don't care. But then all of a sudden, out of the blue, 
they lose like a whole bunch of weight and they're working out in the gym and shit like that, they're you're getting cheated on. <laughs> and I've seen it a million times. If we see somebody at work and uh, and they're kind of looking schlubby, you know, if a guy or a, or a girl, and the next thing and they're married or whatever, and then the next thing you know, they drop a whole bunch of weight and they're working out and they're jogging and they're watching what they eat and they're looking good. They start dressing real nice and everything. They're not turning it around for their husband or their boyfriend. They're turning it around for somebody else's husband or, you know, uh, or whatever. It's the truth. And as I'm, you know, speaking from the Harry Dean Stanton School of Repo Zen podcasting, listen to what I say. Listen. Women are all right, but man, they can fuck your world up for eternity. Uh I love all women. They just fucking. <laughs> no, anyway, whatever. Some people are meant to be and some people aren't. I'm glad that a lot of my podcasting buddies have met some of the best women in the world. My 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 little lady, her birthday is this weekend, actually. So happy birthday. Hey, to you her. know what? Let me tell you something. I don't mean to cut you off there, but somebody else's birthday, for, unless they had a fake uh, birthday on their Facebook, somebody else's birthday was what, this week? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. It's funny. My my birthday is actually on Friday the 21st. My wife's is on Sunday the 23rd. So it's interesting that that, that, that went on. So we usually do a double celebration. I don't really like doing the birthday thing. So I Well, really I guarantee you, I, I don't know your wife. I've never met her, never talked to her. But the present that I sent you, she'll never be able to top it. <laughs> she'll never be able to top it. Uh, and you have to, uh, you have to share... You, you know, uh, I guarantee you, I don't care what she does for you. I can do it better. <laughs> You're mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my Only light switch Dolph just Lundgren's involved and uh, Megan Fox. Oh, my God, Dolph. So someday we're going to do a Dolph Lundgren movie because both of us fucking love this guy. Yeah. He can't do no wrong. So, well, yeah, he can. Um Speaking of uh, what we're going to be watching, yeah. Speaking of what we're going to be watching next week, uh, this is uh, next week is going to be our Halloween episode. Um, <laughs> since neither Zamorai are huge horror guys, we've decided to mix it up a little and do some action horror movies. Uh, I guess the more horror of the two, we're going to do 1988's Maniac Cop, directed Yay! by William Lustig, written by Larry Cohen. Bruce Campbell, Tom Atkins, the Zadar, and all oh. of his chinly glory. Um, and then we're going to do a, a Chuck Norris movie that I thought I had seen, but I had not. Silent Rage. Uh, I like that Wikipedia says, Silent Rage is a 1982 romantic action science fiction horror movie st- <laughs> starring Chuck Norris and directed by Michael Miller. So yeah, Silent Rage, Maniac Cop. little uh, action horror for you guys I can't do that. So... Zom, if you don't have anything else? Well, I don't think so. I mean, it didn't devolve the way it usually does. I'm kind of disappointed. This, I mean, I don't feel we gave it our best effort this week. But oh, if well. you guys tune in next week, we'll we'll try and do better. We'll, we'll just this was kind of just weak ass sauce. Weak you know, sauce. when you go and go to a hot new hot dog place, and you think, okay, what's this place going to be like? And they put some sauce on there, and it's kind of a cross between cat food and like sloppy Joe stuff, but it's real bland, and it's not even really like meat. It's just like clumps of stuff in tomato stuff. That was this episode. Yeah, I shouldn't have taken drugs. The, this episode was my barbecue experience at the food court in the mall yesterday. 
Oh. You think, it, you, you know, you got barbecue, you're thinking, but then it's small barbecue. Sorry. We Sometimes didn't. barbecue reminds me of poop. And when you're eating it on the bun and it's like in the corner of your mouth, you know what I think of when I see somebody else? And that's another thing. When people eat, okay, you know, we had the shit breath thing. When people eat and they don't, they chomp and they don't close their mouth. Like some of my friends are like, and they have the shit all over their teeth. It reminds me of Salo, 120 days of Sodom, when they had the big platter <laughs> of fecal matter. And they were sitting there eating it all dressed up in tuxedos and stuff. And then they smile at each other with the shit in their teeth. Ugh. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> All right. So you guys enjoy eating your shit this week? Uh, yes. Oh, as always, I almost forgot this. As always, you can, <laughs> you can send us feedback. Uh, it's a voicemail line is 206-339-1600. Don't be afraid. Don't, Don't be, be afraid. afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. We want to hear from the ladies about Russ Meyer, too. Yeah. Um, you can email us at silvergoldpodcast at gmail.com. And send show. naked nude pictures of yourselves. Animated gifts, guys too. I don't care if it's a guy or a girl. And you if you send <laughs> we want to see nude pictures of our listeners where you can see their head too. Because I don't want some fucking fake shit <laughs> where like, you know, okay, oh from the neck down, like you get online and say, Oh, here's a picture of me. Because like when I get on like some of the dating websites, and I learned this from Anthony Weiner. I never send pictures of my real penis. I like find pictures of, of guys like with big penises and send them to girls. But don't do that. If you send us a picture, I want a picture of your face and a thing where you're holding up like the New York Times with the date and time on it and your photo ID. And social security number. Yes. And no poop. I'm not, I don't like that. If you're hairy, that's cool too. Because, you know, hairy or... Well kempt. What's what's your verdict on that? You like the natural, don't you? I like bald. I like bald too, man. <laughs> I right. mean everything, even their heads. Like yes, I shaving. like hairless. I like hairless. I like from look like fucking like Charles Xavier. Um, I'm down with the bald. Send in your <laughs> send in your things about that too. What you think about uh, your uh, your uh, pubic uh, grooming? What you prefer and what you wear. All right, because so, we're trying yeah. to figure out what we're gonna wear to <laughs> Horror Hound. Yeah, if we I'm, should shave or not. I'm totally, totally bald. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So uh, yeah, tune in next week. Uh, yeah, for uh, Children Maniac of Cop, the Corn, Children of the Corn, and Silent Rage. Genesis. Um, uh, Silva and com is our website. Uh, and uh, find us on iTunes and join our Facebook group. And yeah, stop making fa- stop making people disappear from our Facebook group. So. Um, no, if you join and you quit, I'll fucking find your ass. He will. It's scary. He will. Find he will. And just, I'll poop in your throat. He will. He will make your house smell like Dookie. God. Dookie. Dookie. Rip. Try. Try. All right. Next week we're gonna try. <laughs> we're gonna... When we do the podcast. <laughs> oh my god, we just drawn out a two-hour show to two hours and forty by bullshitting. All right. So uh, until next time, this is Loaf Oot. Bye bye.